what? You want to defend a magic artifact, and I mean defend it good, then what you need is a top-quality knife. The Eviscerator is one of the finest, if not the finest, tactical folder on the market today. We're talking 440 stainless, quick release, and now, I don't believe this. Is this the staghorn handle at this price? It is, yep. It's the staghorn. At this price, you have got to be kidding me. That's got to be some kind of mistake right there. Now, you folks at home, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that can't be staghorn. It's got to be the cheaper manicure horn. But I've got the specs right here, and I'll tell you what. This is the real deal. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. That's exactly what it is. I mean, this, this is, I have no words to describe this deal. Honestly, have you ever seen Saghorn at this price? No, no, I don't believe I ever have. 1101-1816 is the item number on this one. We you know what? We're going to have to put a clock on this deal, folks. Two minutes. Can I get a clock of two minutes up there? Two minutes there? at most. Honestly, I'd be surprised if they last that long. Oh, I'd be very surprised. Shocked, really. Now, I know the lines are busy, people, but keep dialing in. If you want a truly exceptional knife, just slice up your friends in their sleep. Fantastic, and by fantastic, I mean brilliant. And by brilliant, I mean the best thing you've ever heard. Wonderful. It is uh, 6 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 of this, the month of February. In the year of our Lord, 2009, thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, The Talker. Thank you, my friends, for coming along. It's a Rick Emerson radio program, and I am wearing a sweater today made of the softest alpaca. It's 503-733-2970 if you'd like to be part of today's excursion into whimsy, and I know you would. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 if you'd like to get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, ruminations, ponderings, musings, whatever it is you might have. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about anything at all, ever, at any time, under any circumstances, and so forth. You can also email if you like. It is uh, rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am or Richie with a T at 970.am. All right. Uh, lots of stuff coming up today, including we have another uh, AM 970 listener bailout that we're going to be giving away today. And the winner of today's listener bailout, uh, they're going to get a pair of tickets to Oscar Night America 2009, which is happening this coming Sunday, Portland's historic Hollywood Theater. So we've got that. That's coming up. And uh, we're also going to be doing two more installments of Making a Scene today, which is your chance to win another pair of those tickets. It's going to be uh, Sarah Dillon, Tim Riley, myself, Richie Bristol, as Mitchell, as Rochelle Crystal, uh, as well as Darcel, uh, and a whole bunch of people from you. Who are the luminaries of every stripe and variety? Uh, we'll all be there. That's coming up this Sunday. Oscar Night America 2009. You can find out more at Film Action. Dot org. But uh, today we'll do uh, two installments of Making a Scene, which is where uh, we uh, put up the call to action. And if you can get on uh, the air and act out uh, and recite or uh, recreate for us a scene, a section, a speech from a film, uh, you will win a pair of those tickets. So that's coming up later on in the program. Please be listening. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us today. Also, uh, CNN Radio Correspondent James Roop, Amanda Moyer will uh, be on the program. 
David Walker will uh, sit in the uh, news desk today. Uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. We will talk to Oregonian curmudgeon about town, Peter Carlin. Another installment of Facebook uh, poetry and more. Plus, it's Thursday, which followed Wednesday, which followed Tuesday, which followed the day of the chimp mauling. So now we've got another. I'm just going to read this one sentence. Another chimp story? No, no, no. It's not another one, Sarah. And more details about the same chimp story. Oh, good Lord. This is the same chimp story we've been following. This week there really is only one. I mean, I have that I have that whole separate story about another chimpanzee that had gone, or as uh, Inspector Clouseau uh, would have said, a chimpanzee monkey. Uh, I have a whole separate story that we've never gotten to because the story that came out... The uh, the and where was where was Travis the chimp, you know the one that we've been talking about where there was the nine one one call and the woman had had like it for a long time Pennsylvania or something something like that but it's but it's it's this week's primary chimpanzee story like the, with the butcher knife and the stabbing and the clawing and the... <laughs> and the hey hey where's my face yes that story Sarah so every day now uh, there are more and more fantastic details that come out like this one I'm just gonna read you this one this is what we call a poll quote. Uh, in journalistic circles. Just going to read you this one quotation that we'll plunge on into uh, today's program. We'll be doing uh, Lost in 408 Eight. with Chris Paddock here in just a uh, just few minutes. This is from the New York Post, America's finest newspaper. One friend said of her relationship, quote, It's just weird. What she had with that monkey was not normal. End quote. There you go. Oh, God. That's all we've got right there. By the way, the New York Post, being the New York Post, they then go on to say, pals say that the woman and the chimp were intimate, comma, though there was no monkey panky. Yeah. And I don't even know if I want to hear the rest of that. Yes, you do. It's uh, 503-733-2970. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. Hello. How are you today? Hello. I'm doing well. Uh, Reeling after another fantastical episode of Lost. Was everything explained? No. See, you knew it wouldn't be. That's the thing, right? <laughs> They're so awful because every time they tease the, the next week, it just seems like it's going to be like all the answers will be revealed. It's almost like they're doing the same thing every week to string you along year after year, realizing there never is going to be any resolution. They're bastards. If I didn't know any better, I would speculate that maybe they don't really know what they're doing and that you and your heart of hearts realize that nothing is really ever going to be answered to I your satisfaction. I think they know what they're doing, but I think maybe they're, the web that they've made is just so big now, I don't understand how they're going to like tie it all back together because then they'll, they'll like reference obscure episodes that really have nothing to do with anything that all of a sudden this like five second moment th that happened in episode 10 of season one now all of a sudden is one of the big keys to unraveling the mystery it's really really confusing to watch let me just throw out a, and we'll we'll have chris paddock come in here in a bit and we'll do a lost in uh, 408 later on peter carlin will come on because he's also a lost enthusiast and you guys can discuss it a, a bit in the two o'clock hour david walker's going to be here a whole bunch of stuff to get to but i just based upon my sort of secondhand slash layman's knowledge of Lost, I'm going to throw out a couple things that I know about the show. You tell me if they've ever been explained. Oh. And, by, and by explained, I don't mean like weirdly linked into a bunch of other crap that is also mysterious. I mean like explained. Answered. Here's why it I can happened. already tell you that there is no answer because nothing's... Four-toed monster foot statue thing. I hear it's going to be this season sometime. You don't know. Polar bear. 
Um, experiments. Science. Technology. <laughs> Things. Uh, how about this? Um, the smoke monster. Do you know what the smoke monster the is? The smoke monster is protecting the temple. Uh, Richie's actually taken his headphones off and covered up his... Richie... I'm not going to help you wig shop with that attitude, young man. Well, here's the thing. Oh, okay. He's just... A, oh, he hasn't seen it. All right, Richie. Well, let's let's walk up Richie Bristol to the program here. I thought you were here. All right. No, no, no. Here's the thing. <laughs> the Richie stood, took his headphones off and he covered up his ears because he wanted to hear spoilers. But here's the thing. I think Lost is fundamentally unspoilable, right? Because even a spoiler isn't a spoiler because it doesn't make it... I mean, I'm not trying to knock the show. I'm not. Battlestar's the same way right now. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying... Even if you reveal what you think is a spoiler, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, because it's... In other words, you're just un, you're just uncovering one other Russian nesting doll that has 15 others still to go inside of it. Mm -hmm. So, Richie... Oh, they, this one... Well, the smoke monster isn't anything new from, like, a couple weeks ago. All right. Have they ever explained... Uh, the smoke monster is the monster that will... Uh, it's like this mechanical thing, but it's covered by... A whole bunch of smoke to make it kind of look like a monster that can weave through the jungle. And, and so what is, what is it? People. But um, who created it and why does it exist? I don't know. So you don't know. The Dharma Initiative, but nobody knows who started the Dharma Initiative. All right. Because I the think... island used to belong to the military, but then the Dharma Initiative took it over, and then they're not really sure, and then they're all like time traveling and doing the crazy stuff. Well, I see now how wrong I was, Sarah. Please forgive <laughs> see, me. See, now it's all clear. Uh -huh. You're welcome. Right. Well, there you go. All right. Well, I'm glad you I'm glad you had an exciting night of loss watching it, and I mean that with all sincerity. Because uh, you know, a whole bunch of people, and I'm counting myself among their number, who just get together and watch stuff every week. Like right now, it's Battlestar, and they do the same thing with everything. Will be everything you thought you knew was wrong. That's exactly what it is. So, like last week, it said like they all go back yeah. to the island. But what they don't tell you, Richie, you might want to cover your ears. Um, what they don't tell you is that they show them at the very beginning going back to the island for like 30 seconds. And then they spend the entire episode showing how they got back, right. so there's never them actually on the island. That's the other thing about it was Lost, so by the way. Frustrating. Lost is, Lost is another one of those shows where they have, they have taken and and reduced and distilled to a fine art, this sort of ability to take one isolated moment from the show, blow it up larger than life in the previews for the following week, but then because Lost has this whole time travel thing going on, they have. Like, it's so much less effort for them to write themselves out of some weaselly corner, because all they have to do, whenever they get into a tight spot, they don't quite know what they're going to do with the narrative. Uh, flash in 1955. <laughs> Seriously, exactly. But later, in 2040, in downtown Los Angeles, you know, and you realize that the writer can get you, they must just have, they must just have like a multi-sided die that they roll to try to get themselves out of, hold on, uh, it was a hallucination brought on by chemicals released by the island. Okay, great, let's do that. I mean, somebody ought to... There, there ought to be an online application that is a lost plot generator. Kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing. Yeah, but, it, but, it, but so with choose-your-own-adventure, though, like you only have three options. Like, you know, you, if, you, if you decide to open the door, turn to page 55. If you turn and run, you go to page 72. If you decide to wield a sword, go to page 5. But with Lost, you would have infinite options. None of them would have to make any sense. And, and they would all, though, be equal in that they're all sort of equivalent gibberish. So... And you know what I'm talking about. They all are. It's true. And, like, you are so right about them taking the one point. Yes. Because that's all that it was built up. She's like, they will finally make it back to the island. Here's a and little... then you see them at the island for 20 seconds. And I'm just going to say something that I think we all know is true. And television watchers of every, every variety know the veracity of this statement. Anytime that a trailer, a preview, you know, a next week on, whatever you want to call it, anytime they give you an absolute concrete statement like, 
everything will be known. Nothing will be known. It's always just the... You can just reverse it. You know what I mean? The, the entire family will say goodbye to a loved one. They're not going to say goodbye to a loved one. They say goodbye to some guy who they introduce in the first five minutes of the episode so he can kill himself at the end of the episode so that everyone can talk about depression and drugs. That's it. So... Just always instinctively disbelieve those things, Sarah. That being said, I'm glad you enjoy the program. Right. I do. So even though it's like, yes, it's like an abusive boyfriend. Yes, it is. It is. But it's like an abusive boyfriend who won't tell you why he's hitting you. That's exactly what it is. No, but if you just tell but me why. But I keep why. coming back to see why. <laughs> <laughs> and I never learn, ever. And then I'll wait around for him for months and months. And I, I swear that I'm going to break away from him and not go back. And then I do, and I'm more excited than ever. Except that, it, like, the difference between lost... I say, taking the uncomfortable analogy even further, the difference between lost and let's say, I, I don't know, uh, you know, the boyfriend that uh, you know you're you're walking into a door every now and again, is like, this wouldn't be, this isn't that though. I think the difference is that like the boyfriend would be doing things that made no sense. Like it wouldn't even be like the boyfriend is like kicking you down the stairwell. The boyfriend is doing something weird like painting your lawn blue, and you go, well, why did you just paint my lawn blue? I'll explain next week, Sarah. Whack. There you go. You know, okay, but I just okay, but I'm bleeding and confused, and I, I I could take one of those, but not both. Ow! All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson uh, program, Chris Paddock. Hello, how are you, sir? I, I'm just chomping at the bit to talk about this Did stuff you because notes? I'm hearing some of this. Well, I feel like you cheat when you take notes. No, all I didn't. mine are in my head. I didn't. I didn't. I just I have one note. You know what it says? <laughs> they are on the island. Wait, hold on a second. I have to. Uh, Stating okay, we've got to start our, our time. Oh, okay. wait, right. wait, 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 wait. But I do want to say something. You know the biggest offender of that whole tease thing back in the day, nine zero two one zero, the original show. Remember, one member of the nine zero two one zero family will die. Yeah. And the, it's somebody being introduced hand. three minutes into the show. Kid that wore the cowboy, cowboy hat. hat all the time. Oh, Scott. <laughs> Why did we both know that? We, we Scott, both... when he was cleaning his dad's gun. <laughs> we both went right to the cowboy hat. That's one of those things I forgot that I knew until you said his, his name, and I went, cowboy hat. Look, if I was the only kid at Beverly Hills High walking around with a lasso in a cowboy hat, I would kill myself. Wow. All right. <laughs> Tonight on 90210, an extra says goodbye forever. <laughs> a C-list actor you will never see he again. He wasn't an extra. Him and David Silver were just drifting apart because David had the radio station show, and he was getting a little more cooler, and plus Donna had a crush on him at that point. Thank you for that recap. That was incredible. Somebody really studied that show. Somebody. And by somebody, I mean Sarah, who, by the way, is wearing a Save by the Bell shirt today. That Rick bought for me. Oh, that, that, that was a nice fit. Like, I'm hey, so excited. I'm it, so scared. And if you're a fan of um, Save by the Bell, Sarah Dillon, California Dreams, season one coming out on DVD. Come on. Yeah. That show was awesome. On that note, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Let's uh, do this. Who's ready to begin Lost in 408? Bring it. All right. I'm ready. So, well, once again, there's about a five-second intro on this. You will hear the uh, the beeping, and then I think the little, I, I, what I believe is the sound of the number sort of uh, rewinding and resetting to zero. Then we'll begin today's Lost discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Lost in 408. Okay, uh, so the, the, the show begins, and it begins and just like the original first the first episode. The first episode, I thought it was going to be the first episode when it has the close-up of his eye and he's yeah. playing in the forest. I thought the dog was going to run up. No, nope, no, nope, but he is. He hears Hurley crying somewhere in the background, like he's drowning and holding on to a guitar case, holding which is probably going to either uh, or the remains of Aaron. 
the baby. Be the remi- there's not going to be dead baby Aaron. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, but anyway, then they find Kate, and then they flash back to 48 hours before all this. 46. Talk- 46, thank you. Mm-hmm. Where they flash back to, like, meeting the lady in the church. Who's really creepy and awesome. But I kind of dig her. No, she, she's one of my favorite actors. I, like I love her. Because she's really creepy, but very sophisticated yes, at the same time. I like that. So who do you think the man is that she's referencing who, who made that station the lamppost? Um, hmm. What if it's, um, what if it's our guy, Charles Widmore? Hmm. I don't know, because Widmore seemed to be more involved with the military aspect than the actual science okay. aspect of it. I was a little, and I think I didn't get to hear some of the initial discussion here, but it was a little put off. It seemed like a very different show all of a sudden last night. Like, suddenly the tone changed. Well, was, you notice that? Like, they're giving us more and telling us less, which is really crappy. It's like yes. they're all like, so basically, Ben has the crap beat out of him. We don't know who the hell did that. And I've been reading rumors on the Internet today that people are speculating that perhaps he killed Penny. I had heard that. I also heard but I don't, that maybe it was Desmond that beat the crap out of him. Maybe it was Desmond because Desmond was not on the plane. No. So so everyone made it. It was, it was so Saeed. So Saeed's in custody like Kate was in custody. And Jack took his father's shoes and put them on on uh, John Locke's body. Yes, he did. To make it more similar and to the situation that he was in. My problem was that here's the introduction to Jack's granddad. That was so random. Was kind of, but, you know, I guess that was just a nice, easy plot point. I, that better have a purpose. It might, well, maybe the, the grandfather was just there to get the shoes. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. What do you think happened to Aaron? Aaron, um, because uh, she looks effed Kate, up, dude. Yeah, yeah, something happened here. Something, something. she looks like somebody had touched her in a bad way. My pretty, thank you. Yes. Some, didn't she? She looks like, like she looks like the character in Something About Amelia, the Ted Danson, uh, wow. uh, biopic, or Didn't she just, like, crawl into Jack's bed and, like, announce them? Yes. That was weird, that wasn't was it? That was weird. And I was thinking, well, this isn't the same lady, but here's my, my theory on all of this. Someone came back in time and has messed with all these people, and we're going to get individual episodes of this. So who do you think went back in time to mess with them? Uh, I, I think John Locke. But then next week we're going to find out more more stuff. Okay, and what's okay. the thing with Ben saying that he didn't know that John Locke had hung himself, and then for the previews for next week, all of a sudden you see him kneeling at John Locke's feet? Very strange, that, right? That's really weird. But that's weird, and then also... Let's not forget this. The, the ending. Obviously, they're in the 70s. Yeah. Because Jin's wearing a Dharma Initiative jumpsuit Dude, and, and the, driving a brand new VW bus. The Volkswagen bus. bus is still together. So it's just like... Listen to Jeremiah Johnson or whatever. Uh, but, the, riddle man. me this. What if Jin is stuck in a time warp, too? Because when, when you know, he's holding up the gun, getting ready yeah. to shoot them. What if he got stuck in the 70s and he got separated from everybody else? And so he really isn't back in time, but it's actually the same time, okay. but he's living in the 70s. I heard this crazy rumor, too. What if Juliet is... Is uh is Sawyer's mom? Oh, that'd be kind of messed up because but, there's all like sexy time between them. Right. Oh, I don't like see. That. Everybody's now displaced. And there was absolutely no Sawyer this episode either. No, there was not. Or so, Juliet. So what do you think got Hurley to get back on the plane? Because he was absolutely because he obviously didn't know that Ben was going to be on the plane because he was like, you know, really pissed about seeing him. Right. So what do you think it was? Do you think it was the ghost of Charlie? Who I think it like, was Charlie that told him to go on there. And he I, got I really, the guitar I, back. Like, make sure you bring a guitar because I, I got a, I got a great idea for a new song. And he had to keep it as close to the original lineup as possible so he yeah. had to bring the personal belongings to someone else without him yeah. playing. We did pretty damn good. Yeah. Wow. We got most of it. You know, I, can I just say this? I remember when I was watching Lost, you know, and I watched for the, the first season and then part of the second season and then I stopped. It was just some people who were on an island trying to figure out how to make a raft. Seriously, it was like, well, how many logs do we need? How are we going to tie them together? That, that was Gilligan's Island. <laughs> no, it was, yeah, it was like a, like a full-on Robinson Crusoe meets Melrose thing when I was watching. Like, honestly, their biggest problem was like, where are we going to get, get water? How are we going to get coconuts today? Yeah. You know? All right.
Well, they've obviously found a and way. Now to somebody's driving down. a Volkswagen bug yeah. around in the, the, the seven. The microbus. Yeah, I. Yeah. It's all very confusing. Well, so, but we need to watch Lost together sometime. I would love that. Let's. Do, we need to have like a Lost next party. week. Let's do it next week. Let's do that, and we'll we'll make Dharma Initiative taquitos. Wow. Wow. That sounds awesome. Jesus. And drink we'll Dharma drink. Initiative cerveza. Exactly. We can, oh, we can paint our beers to, to the, like Dharma Initiative beers. That would be really cool. Is this nerdy? I was just going to say, like, at no point. Oh, my God. Paddock, for Halloween, we should totally make up a bunch of Dharma jumpsuits and go yeah. with people from Lost. Let's do that. We'll be red shirts from Lost. Okay. We'll be extras. Others. Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. It's going to be like that thing about how because of Battlestar, Jason Crump cuts the corners off all of his paper. <laughs> Did you catch that thing uh, last week, though, when Adama was talking to the chief about the um, Battlestar, by the way, not on Lost? Because I know that at a certain point, it's like the confluence can be difficult to unravel. When uh, Adama was talking to the chief about the, you know, the danger, you know, the ship is slowly, you know, half-lifing away yeah. and it's, you know, it's losing its uh, structural integrity. Yes. And I thought it was a little inside joke when Adama said, you mean they cut the corners? Oh, I thought that was like a little uh, wink and a nod, a little shout out to the BSB about that. fans. But you know, we also found out that every time Adama comes up with some great idea, he's in the bathroom. Did you notice yes. that too? Yeah, and Mark yeah. Verheiden had hinted that that Robert uh, almost wants to actually do a scene where he's on the, the can, really? thinking of some sort of great idea. Well, and there's lots of stuff where he just brushes his teeth for like nine minutes. You know, <laughs> he's got good-looking choppers. He's angry military yeah. brushing too, like Maybe. he's trying to take off the enamel. Uh, real quickly, we got a break here in a second. I know that y- you've been wanting to. Share a little bit of the horror that was the Angela Lansbury workout video. Yes. Uh, I have an unhealthy obsession now. With Angela uh, Lansbury? With Angela Lansbury. Well, there, she's awesome. She is sexual. Well, I made a comment that I don't think sexuality and Angela Lansbury should be in the same sentence. That was a Facebook posting, by the way. And uh, I got so much heat from friends of mine saying, well, him, didn't you see her in the Mancurian Candidate? And Aren't you aware of you know how hot she was? That I'm like, I, can't, I get it. But I know Angela Lansbury as the doofy detective you know, from Murder, She Wrote. Totally. And she was the voice of the teapot in Beauty and the Beast. Okay, so I just know her as kind of, you know, or maybe bed nods, bed nods and broomsticks, maybe kind of to in a matronly way. I didn't think of her in a sexual way, and now I see this video and she's in a, she's in a tub with candles lit and bubbles, and she's like rubbing herself, like she's a, you know, like, you know, when they say it's your time, it doesn't mean that your sexual drive goes away, you know? I think it's like a menopause thing, isn't yeah. it? Where she's, this is, this is on one of the found footage film festival compilations, and it's a, Sort of workout self-love, not in, not in the dirtiest of ways, right. but I mean just sort of taking care of oneself. And she says something like, they say a woman's sex drive goes away after menopause, but I just don't believe that's true. And then it's like her slathering herself in oil. Motion, and, and then it's like done like one of those Playboy videos from the 80s. And then the other creepy part is she, every morning I like to slather myself down with aloe, just so I'm in touch with my body. And you totally expect there to be like a soft focus shot of gauzy curtains blowing in the breeze as like a saxophone yeah, plays. G music in the background. Uh, sorry, uh, people. I put also, that vision. You'll also get Playmate Fantasies Volume 4 when you subscribe. <laughs> All right. Chris Paddock, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. All right, thank, thank you, sir. Thank you, Rick Emerson. Uh, thank back you, after this. Don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Show continues next with Lisa Desjardins. Keep listening. All right, then. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thank you for joining us today. By the way, I want to give a quick shout out. Shout outs. I want to give an acknowledgement here over the radio to Paul, I believe. 
This is the guy who dropped off like the 9,000 piece set of plastic cutlery for Thank us yesterday. Thank you. I used one of the forks today, and it was splendid, and it didn't melt in my in my food. It didn't. It didn't turn into a pile of plasticky goo in Sarah's hand as she was trying to eat some like linguine or something. Just the best thing about it is. He just, like the note that accompanied on it was just on some, the piece of cardboard that I think he found by the side of the road. Rick, stop complaining you have no forks. Must share. Paul, that's it. Thank you, Paul. This is sort of like the most stilted language, like E.E. E. Cummings uh, meets, uh, you know, E.E. E. Cummings meets a guy holding a sign by the side of the road asking for cigarette money. There you go. It's 503 We'll be joined by uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins and a few CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer as well. Coming up later on, David Walker. Uh, also, your chance to win Oscar Night America 2009 tickets uh, as we make a scene. We'll do a Facebook status synchronization here in a moment, Facebook poetry, etc., and much more. Before we do anything else... Uh, just because there's so much of this that I have to spread it out, or we, you know, we have we would have an entire hour of like the sort of chimp mauling updates. So I've just got a couple of things here. We'll read, then we'll do a couple calls, then we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins. This says again from today's New York Post. She fed him filet mignon and lobster tails. We should just make this an ad hoc uh, monkey watch. Okay. Do we have the theme? Mm-hmm. All right, here's your ad hoc monkey watch uh, for 11:38. On Thursday. Uh, Again, reading now from the New York Post. It's animal attraction. The New York Post examines the weird... Again, reading directly from the New York Post. She fed him filet mignon and lobster tails. They shared cozy glasses of wine. They bathed. Really? They bathed and slept together. Because what you want to do if you have something living with you that can lift a thousand pounds and it has razor sharp teeth and seems like it might be violent, get it all drunk every now and again when you're not giving it Xanax. They bathed and slept together. Also, be nude in the presence of the thing with the razor sharp claws and teeth. That's going to work out well. He tenderly brushed her hair. She gave him gifts and sweet, sweet kisses. He drew her pictures. But this was no ordinary affair of the heart, Sarah Dillon. Sandra Harold was engaging in these loving acts with a 200-pound pet chimpanzee. Harold's human friends said they were always leery of the interspecies intimacy. If you love a simian, set them free, someone tried to tell her long before Travis. This is why I love the New York Post. Realize that you... You are, in fact, hearing a story about a woman who I believe had about 80% of her face sort of savagely removed by the animal. But that doesn't stop the New York Post from covering the story like the New York Post. If you love a simian, set them free, someone tried to tell her, long before Travis went bananas Monday and mauled and mangled Harold's 55-year-old friend, Charla Nash. It's just weird, said one friend. It's an animal, not a person. What she had with that monkey was not normal. It's not uncommon for people to replace the affection of a departed loved one with that of an animal, experts say. Travis became both surrogate child and spouse following the death of her daughter in a car accident many years ago. Even if there was no monkey-panky, pals say they were intimate. In popular culture, chimpanzees are used as a kind of parody of human behavior, and it seems this animal became almost a parody of her relationship with her husband. Said Howard Welsh, professor of clinical psychiatry at NYU, 
At the same time, keep it in mind, by the way, now I am no longer quoting from the New York Post as such. I am now quoting from this guy who's a professor of clinical psychiatry who says, at the same time, this woman was depriving the animal of a whole world. She made the world for the chimp simply for her own. That makes no sense at all. That but, makes absolutely no sense. No, but then, but then it's this. He was a chimp in a gilded cage. Fantastic. One more quote. This is from a separate article. This is from uh, MSNBC. This one says, this is from an e, uh, a listener says, Rick, I'm not certain if you've read this part of the chimp mauling story. It contains some very unnerving phrases I don't think I've heard in any reporting yet, including... This is a police uh, officer on the scene. There's somebody down. He doesn't look good, says the officer, referring to the disfigured Nash, a woman. Quote, we've, we've got to get this guy out of here. He's got no face. End quote. So there you go. And uh, finally, oh. Travis the Chimp was being protective of her when he attacked Nash, who she said was driving a different car, wearing a new hairstyle, and, quote, holding an Elmo stuffed toy in front of her face as a present to the chimp. So really, the chimp hates Elmo. That's really what we can... You just saw something with a big red fuzzy face and big big ass like googly, googly eyes and said, it's got to go. All right, there you go. That's wonderful. Excellent. All right, uh, it's 503-733-2970. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. How can I help you, sir, madam, as the case may be? Well, hi, Rick. How are you today? What's up, brother? Excellent. Hey, I was uh, just going to comment on it. It's so nice to hear that you're not going anywhere. I'm with, with I'm all right the other here, talk sir. shows. Adam Kroll is going bye-bye tomorrow. This is the last day. I have to say, sir, that in an era of changes and upheaval, the Rick Emerson Show is a constant. Seeing you through life like a lighthouse in the midst of a fog storm. Ah, oh, jeez. I'm wearing the wrong boots. Okay. Is that the extent of your call today? Yeah, that was about it. It's just nice to hear you're still going to be around. And, I'm and, uh, um, looking forward to many more years. I'm right Best here. show ever. Wait, hold on. Let me ask you this before you go. Are you doing? Is this like a? Are you trying to do that thing, like the like the Vietnam War movie jinx, where you're saying, "Glad to hear you're not going anywhere." Looking forward to hearing you for many more. I can't wait to turn on the radio tomorrow, Rick, and hear you there. Which means, of course, and then Charlie's going to take me out. Uh, you know, right before I get to go back home. Oh, see, there it is. That's, that's exactly what it was. He was totally doing that. He was he was trying to he was trying to glover me. That's what he was trying to do right there. I can't wait till I retire, Riggs. Me and my wife, we got a nice little place set up. Hey, Sarah, look at this picture of my girl back home. You know, she just had our baby boy. I can't wait to hold him in my arms for the... Did you hear something? Oh, God. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson program. Yeah, hi. What is it? How does the uh, chimpanzee uh, know that they're driving a different car? Well, well, I mean, he might have been outside or something, because there's all these weird photos of the woman taking him for a walk. You know, like she has him on. I don't even think he was leashed up, which I could be wrong about that. But it seems like, like if you're going to leash a, 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 you know, a chihuahua, it seems like you probably ought to do that to a thing that can kill people. So but that's just me. I think that she had taken the chimp outside, like, hey, uh, you know, my, my friend Charla's here. Let's go talk to her. And then Charla gets out a different car, different hair, oh, and holding an Elmo doll in front of her face, which ended poorly. That would be my suspicion, sir. Oh, okay. I was just curious uh, if it was inside the car or... No, well, we do know that Travis the Chimp was able to open car doors because they're clever. <laughs> uh, well, because when the cops came to take him down, 
It was sort of like when the cops arrive at the at the Cyberdyne uh, Systems building in Terminator 2, where they're all outside, and Schwarzenegger just walks out with that thing that fires tear gas grenades. It's The chimpanzee like went right, because the cops backed up into their car, because the gunfire couldn't take the thing down, which is terrifying. And so the cops all retreat into their cars, and this is one of the stories you read yesterday. The cops all retreat into their cars. Travis the chimp advances on one of the cop cars, which and the doors weren't locked. And so Travis the chimp literally opens the car door and gets into the car, you know, where the cop is cornered in the back seat. And it was like, I think then that the, that the cop like shot him point blank, which still didn't kill him. I think he had like six bullets in him and he was still running for home. So Maybe he was on PCP. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. That's the problem with chimps on angel dust. They just take too many bullets. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson radio program from the Hills, CNN radio correspondent, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, Lisa. How are you today? Hey, guys. I have, again, bungled this situation. I, I actually can't talk for more than a minute because uh, the president is about to start his news conference with Prime Minister Stephen Harper of Canada. So wait, the way to cover that. Prime Minister who of where? Stephen Harper. Stephen Harper. Stephen Harper of Canada. When did we? I don't even remember who the last prime. When did they? When did they get a new prime minister? Did they just do it every few days just to sort of keep things interesting? Actually, politics in Canada have been very interesting in the last year. There have been a lot of ups and downs. I don't know the exact date, but you you are you should not feel bad that you don't know Stephen Harper's name. He is relatively new. All right. Is it just so now you have to uh, to, to run here? So I'll ask you: Do you expect that this is going to be really exciting and gripping? I mean, is it uh, when you woke up this morning? I cannot wait to hear that Canadian prime minister speak because it is electrifying. I, I, I think it's just going to be a, like a a lovely midwestern feel to the whole thing. It'll be just smiles and. Uh, maybe a few back slaps. Just like eating a sort of tepid bowl of cream of wheat. <laughs> the chimp might be a little like that, yes. Room temperature granola that's been soaking <laughs> in some milk. All right. Well, on that note, it was good to hear your voice, if only for a few sparkling moments, Lisa. I know. I'm very sorry. All right. Well, we will, we will uh, catch up in the immediate future. Enjoy your... Uh, Prime Minister Canadian guy. Okay. Yes, yes, right. yes. We'll talk okay, to you great. at some point. Right, there you go. There's Lisa Desjardins. Love of God, what was that about? Not her having to go up for a minute, but... Supposed to talk to her like 10 minutes ago? Yep, 35. For the love of God and all that is holy. And the children. And the children. All right, we'll take a break. Come back after this with Amanda Moyer from CNN Radio Center in Atlanta and then our good friend David Walker stepping into the studio. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Back after this. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. In mere moments, we talk to CNN Radio Correspondent Amanda Moyer. Uh, after that, we will uh, welcome our good friend David Walker into the uh, studio today. Coming up later on, Oregonian... Uh, I don't even know what he's called now, he's, because he's he's no longer just a TV critic. They sort of expanded Peter Carlin's like role. like a lifestyles writer or something, right? Is that what he is? We should just make up a title. I don't... 
cultural arbiter. There we go. Oregonian, Oregonian uh, culture czar. Uh, Peter Carlin will be uh, joining us later on. We'll have a little bit of uh, supplementary uh, loss discussion and so forth. We're going to be giving away two pair of tickets to Oscar Night America 2009 and uh, so forth, plus uh, more of your phone calls. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta, home of the world's tallest escalator, Amanda Moyer joining us now. Hello, Amanda. How are you today? Good morning. I'm well. Thursdays are always my Fridays, so it's always a good day on Thursday for me. Excellent. Well, you know, and you could do worse than to come and do uh, to work in the morning and you see that you've got a... I mean, because it's sort of good news, bad news a lot of times, and more frequently it's just bad news, bad news. But today you've got a little bit of a balance, because on the one hand you get this, thing, you know, the GM uh, earnings report, which is, I think we can just sort of get this out of the way. So General Motors was saying something to the effect of that... To break even, in other words, to no longer be losing money, they need to start moving 12 million cars a year or something. This is what I think Ali Belshi was saying last night on CNN. GM said they need to start selling 12 million cars a year to break even, and they see that happening in as soon as four years from now. So the whole thing is just sort of uh, laden with doom. But uh, but I know that there. I mean, you've got some more specificity on that in terms of their uh, in terms of their earnings results. That's right, and and what you said is absolutely what the company's been saying, and uh, they're looking at maybe only moving 10 million this year, which uh, is quite bad for the company. Which is they've uh, had a mounting losses. These um, earnings report is due out today, and uh, it actually has not come out. Usually, it comes out uh, right before the stock market opens. And uh, but I can tell you, back in November, they delayed it several hours because the news was so bad, and they were afraid how it would affect the stock market. So. Um, this is likely to be even worse. Uh, they are gearing up for that because January saw the worst auto sales in 26 years industry-wide. So uh, this last quarter is expected to be brutal. I don't really know how uh, General Motors operates, but, of course, because I've, I've seen too many movies where it, everything looks like Mad Men. And so when they have this business of, well, look, it's going to take us four years to even sell enough cars to break even. Oh, and by the way, we've got the biggest drop in the worst earnings in 26 years. In my head, it is just one of those... It is just one of those boardrooms where there's a bunch of old guys like sitting around a table, all staring at one another, and then one guy at the head of the table, sort of Vito Corleone style, just says, "Well, how are we going to fix this?" And then there's just lots of silence, like twelve angry men or something. It just seems like the weirdest, most tangled ball of financial yarn that I can't even imagine. I really do pity the poor bastard who who tries to, to put all of the uh, you know put Humpty Dumpty together again here because it it just seems it just seems almost impossible. I, I can't even imagine how they begin going about fixing this. It does, and it's ever it seems like every day or every week there's more bad news in the auto industry. Um, you know, earlier this week, GM and Chrysler submitted those viability plans to the government. They uh, tried to make concessions. They they said they were cutting costs, but uh, GM alone is cutting 47,000 jobs this year. They're um, some of their vehicle brands, the weaker brands. They're um, going to be making some changes. They're thinking about getting rid of Hummer and Saturn, maybe even Pontiac. Uh, they're planning to close five more U.S. plants. So the situation is quite dire for GM as they're asking for billions more in federal loans. I have a great idea. Just as we were discussing this right now, you know what ought to happen? This is, okay. Uh, you know, we all remember Lee Iacocca and, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of uh, economic implosion in the, the 70s and what it did to the U.S. auto industry. And we were, you know, lots of import cars were really coming over and kind of eating our lunch. And then 
Lee Iacocca took Chrysler from, you know, as they say, from worst to first. And they had, I think, the K car, which, you know, people sort of snicker at now, but the K car was a, a bit of a breakthrough. Everybody thought it was, you know, it was a smaller, more fuel efficient car. Here's what needs to happen right now. This is just up to the line of being shamelessly corny, but I don't think it quite goes over. I think this is, this is just the, just this side of, uh, of, 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 uh, too much. GM or somebody just needs to unveil a car, and it's just called, like, the Ford Stimulus. I'd buy a car called the Ford Stimulus. and But, of course, it has to meet all the, you know, all the specifics and the parameters. It's got to be small. It's got to get uh, decent gas mileage. It's got to be made right here in America. Every part has to be made in America. It has to be assembled by workers here in America. Everything about the car needs to be domestic, made right here. The money's staying within, within our borders. And, of course, it's a car that is both affordable and affordable once you already own it. Maintenance, gas, all of these things need to be relatively manageable once you're actually in possession of the automobile. And they just call it... You know, the Ford stimulus or, you know, the Chrysler stimulus, whatever. I, I buy one of those right now without even – tell me where to sign. I, I get on board for that. Well, they're going to have to do something because people are not buying cars, and it seems like all of the technology and everything they're putting forth, nothing is working. And uh, it looks like even for the future, they're putting a lot of um, – faith in the GM Volt, which is supposed to come out next year, which is supposed to be that electric car that gets 40 um, – then goes 40 miles to a char- or charge, and uh, I don't know. It, it, it's going to have something will have to save the industry. Doesn't GM Volt sound like some sort of a uh, some sort of a bitter tasting energy drink you get at one of those places at the mall that's always trying to sell you bulk up supplements. It does, and um, I don't know. I don't know if people are going to be buying it, especially with gas prices not being as high as they were. Uh, Six months ago. Uh, let me ask you one before we wrap this up real quickly. Um, I know that uh, Roland uh, Burris is, you know, they're, they're grilling that guy uh, right now in Illinois because, of course, it's Illinois politics, which means that everything comes with some sort of a taint of scandal. Is there any chance that we're going to get to see our good friend uh, Blagojevich on on the stand, sort of testifying, or we get, is he going to get a, another shot at the camera? Because every time he's on television, it just builds a little a little birdhouse in my soul. It just uh, it brightens my day immeasurably to see that guy on TV. Well, I wouldn't rule anything out because uh, it looks like uh, prosecutors and uh, lawmakers in Illinois, they're going forward with this with Burris. And uh, I know his spokesperson, Burris' spokesperson, uh, resigned today, and uh, it's just really not looking good for him. And uh, the, the Illinois lawmakers, they're out to, to figure out the truth and find out what's going on. So I don't know if uh, Rod Blagojevich will be testifying, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets back in the limelight somehow, as will his brother. Excellent. All right, Amanda Moyer, as always, have a uh, good weekend. I know that today's your Friday, so enjoy your, uh, enjoy your time off. We will talk to you when you get back. All right, sounds right, good. Thank you. Amanda Moyer, ladies and gentlemen, fantastic. All right. Rob Blagojevich is so great because you can already, you just look at that guy, and he just seems like a colossal douche. But that being said, I do like him because he just doesn't seem to hide it at all. Like he just is completely shameless on the surface. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a big weasel. He just has that. It's the, it's like the Jeff Galuli thing, but even more shameless about it. He makes no attempt to sort of cloak uh, just his own kind of like oily nature. But you can totally see Rob Blagojevich being one of those guys who's standing on a beach somewhere, and he's screaming at you at 2 in the morning with a 1-800 number on the bottom of the screen. And he's going, I can show you how to buy property for nothing, and then you can sell that property and be here with buxom women in bikinis. Order now for my patented money-making system. You can absolutely see uh, him doing that. Or here's the other thing you can see uh, Rod Blagojevich doing. 
with no difficulty at all. You can picture him in like a gold gym shirt. Uh, and he'd be on television again, but he'd be selling like some like a like a bottle of sort of mysterious capsules that you take uh, uh, that he says will give you ripped abs in 30 days. And then he kind of breaks something. <laughs> but you're right. The only voice I have is the knife guy. That's mm. it. All right. We're going to take. Oh, I guess we're not. I guess no, it's, I guess it's David Walker. I, didn't, I didn't realize that we were being so efficient today. Oh, uh, I guess we did take a break early. Sarah, you know what it is? That's uh that's part of the Rick Emerson Shall I go show's David Walker? commitment to quality right there. Yes, and we'll do the uh, Facebook uh, status uh, update. Uh, poetry, we'll do the uh, Facebook uh, status synchronization as well. So that is all on the way. Coming up here in just a skosh, as our Asian friends say, uh, we will also be giving away a pair of tickets to see Oscar Night America 2009. Oscar Night America 2009 happening this coming Sunday at Portland's Historic Hollywood Theater. you find that more at Action. Dot org And, of course, uh, Sarah Dillon, myself, Tim Riley, Richie Bristol as Rochelle Crystal, uh, Portland icon Darcel. We will all be there. That is this coming Sunday at the uh, Hollywood Theater right here in Portland. It is Oregon's only sanctioned and official screening of uh, the Oscars from the Motion Picture Academy of Arts and Sciences. Uh, a couple quick emails here before we welcome uh, David Walker to the program. This one says, Rick, for your le- uh, next listener party, you must have Rochelle fight a chimp MMA style in a cage. You know it's gold. Please do this. Make it happen. All right. Uh, let's see. How about this? Um, Rick, I just realized that that chimp rampage has to be captured on the cop's dash camera. How long do you think it'll take for that to be released or leaked? Well, you know, the, when that when the plane landed in the Hudson, that their first thing was like, we don't think it's on camera. We just don't know that there were any. But but of course we you know we were here. We were saying, of course it was. I mean, everything is on. It, everything everywhere is on camera. And it took, I think, only two or three days for the first footage of the plane hitting the Hudson to come out. And then mm-hmm. there was, I think now they found four different shots of it. So you know that chimp footage is going to come out. Uh, let's see. How about this? We've got, um, it's, just not, it's just nothing but chimp and lost emails. Uh, this is another one reporting the uh, he's got no face thing. It's all very, uh, it's all very unnerving. All right. Hello, David Walker. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, oh can you hear me? Yes. There you is this are. On? Yeah. It's on. Can you hear me? Is this on? Is this on? Can you hear me? This okay. is. It's like Dave <laughs> Schmidtke yesterday, who went like 40 minutes without telling us that his headphones weren't actually working because he didn't want to be a bother. Oh, oh no, I'll I'll let you know. I'll say you have no, this isn't working. You have no problem being a bother, <laughs> David Walker. Um, so we'll do just a couple brief bits of housekeeping here, and then we will move forward. Uh, we will now do today's great Facebook status synchronization, ladies and gentlemen. Now is the time where you go to your Facebook account, you log in, and prepare to update your Facebook status, ladies and gentlemen. So go to Facebook right now, you log in, and prepare to update your status. Is it my turn to come up with something? Yes. All right. Uh, let's see. All right, so your Facebook status today shall be updated to the following. Blank. Your name is listening to The Rick Emerson Show at www.970.am, ellipsis, uh, you know, dot, 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 and looking out for chimps. What do you think? Looking out for? I think it works. Watching for? Guarding against? Looking out for. Looking out for. So there you go. Which is like, you know, like watch out for snakes. Uh, so, blank, your name. This is your Facebook status. Please now to be updating your Facebook status at this moment to blank, your name, is listening to The Rick Emerson Show at www.970.am, dot, 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 and looking out for chimps. All right, there you go. That's updated. Now, 
All right. It's 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson radio program, David Walker. And uh, good day to you, sir. Hello. How are you guys today? I am Very fantastic. Well. Here's another reason I'm fantastic today. Not only do we have this uh, chimp news that just seems to be getting better and better and better and better and better and better still by the moment, because apparently now, it, somebody just sent me this, I guess the chimp attacked her in 1996. Yeah, I read that earlier today, too. Yeah, it was like 13 years ago. Hello, Snuckles. Do you want to... Ah! You know, and he just pulled back... How old was the chip? Pulled back a stump. He well, was, uh, I believe, 15. I think they live forever, like oh. Treebeard. I think that... I don't think they can... Uh, I don't think they ever die, Sarah. I think they live They live on and on. Isn't it like tortoises or something that live for 500 years? So, I mean, chimps probably don't... I don't think they live... But I think they live... I mean, relatively... Yeah, it's not like you're buying a parakeet or something. No, I think, I think that uh, chimps... Have a life expectancy not unlike a um, a smoker, I'm sure. You know, so, a smoker who lives in Detroit, maybe. But a really angry smoker. Yeah. A really angry smoker who occasionally is given to just tearing off sensitive bits of your anatomy when you hold up a mm. Elmo doll in front of your face. It seems like, I mean, I'm just saying. Look, I don't mean to be. Uh, I don't mean to be Thursday morning quarterbacking this whole thing. But again, if you're dealing with something. That could kill you just in in an instant, or at the very least, you know, really give you just a just a good full on maiming that you're going to be thinking about for quite some time. It seems like I would go out of my way to make sure that he knew who I was as I walked toward him. It's like that thing, you know, like when you walk to a dog and where you put your hand out, you do that thing so he can sniff your hand and let you, you know, so he can figure out that he doesn't need to go right for your junk. It's like not only did she not do that, she actually did every. It's like. It is almost like she sat down with an Excel spreadsheet and tried to figure out every single way to surprise the thing with the razor sharp teeth and the and the claws and the and the pulling and the strength and the and the kill you and the whatever. Well, you know, whenever I'm dealing with something that could just kill me in any instant or tear me to shreds, I usually just break up with her because I've discovered that it's it's not worth it. And so I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from just Throwing in the towel and giving up. Sometimes um, you you just have to. Sometimes you just have to pull the ripcord. Yeah. So David yeah. Walker, did you hear about our new bit? The you know who you are. No, no, I haven't heard about this one. Uh, we uh, we have uh, created an exciting new segment on the program. It was sort of ad hoc the other day. We were in a break. Don uh, Taylor was here. It was on Tuesday. We were going to a break. We were talking about something or other, and within about thirty seconds, both Don and Sarah had raised. Sort of a personal question, not about themselves, but a question about someone they know who really needs to be told something, but it's like nobody wants to be the one to tell them. So Don has, and we ended up discussing all this on the air, so it's not like I'm talking out of school here, but Don has a friend who just has body odor that apparently is just can like just take the pain off. And a dear of friend house. of hers, but whenever he hugs her, it's just like, oh, like a punch in the face. Yeah, she says it's bad. Like his body odor is offensive uh, to the extreme. And. She's like, and nobody can say anything about it. And she's like, and if I and if I tell, you know, his, his significant other, then it's like, no, it came straight from me, and then I'm gonna get confronted. And she's like, somebody just needs to tell it. Like, dude, put on some deodorant. And Sarah was noting, you know what? I know a guy. He's a, you know, he's he's a good-looking guy. You know, he's you know, he's a good sense of style. He's well put together. But he's got one, and I've seen it by the way, and I can vouch for this. He's got one of the worst mustaches I've ever seen in my life. And he's had it for like. Months now, you know, and that's the thing. Like, it's just not coming in. It's not coming in. He's given it a, a substantial amount of time, and now it's like a kooky thing that he's wearing around, and inter- it just makes him look ridiculous. Well, see, and my whole thing is that he did look. He looked like a low rent Parisian. You know what I mean? But sort of like. <laughs> but if he just got, and like, I kept looking, I'm like, oh. But then, yeah, like that, like that bomb voyage guy from uh, from The Incredibles. You know, I, I was just thinking more of like, um, like 
John Waters without a clue or something yes. like that. Yes. No, no, no. But it's not just John Waters without a clue. It's John a poorly Waters, maintained John Waters. Or like if he had just had alopecia of the face. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like occasionally just chunks of his hair fell out. <laughs> You know, or if you, or, or like if he'd been attacked it was really with really patchy, like he could at least take some mascara and like fill it in. Like if he, if he'd been attacked with duct tape or something. That's a nice, nice mustache you have there. Let me just pull about half of it out, but just in random places. So we started this uh, bit called "You Know Who You Are," and the deal is, you can then address someone, and you're not anonymous. That you don't need to be because you're keeping them anonymous. Do you want to see the mustache? And so Sarah sure. and uh, Dawn both spoke directly to the person in question over the air, but not identifying them. Okay. And so... Uh, we, we, Isn't here, that a terrible Here's mustache? a picture of that mustache. It's no good. I mean, it's just... It's, yeah, well, and he also... He doesn't have a, an upper lip for a mustache. No, either. no. It, like, makes it disappear. It's ill-advised. It, you know, he looks almost like a... Here, let me see that again. Can you turn that towards me? Don't be too identifying. No, no, no. But it, it, it's like... It looks like something... He's got this sort of Mandy Patinkin look about him in that yeah. picture, and it's it's not working now. It doesn't work. Oh, and none of his friends will tell him, so that was a good outlet for me to be like, you know. <laughs> I forget if this. If he doesn't listen, then at least somebody else who might know him would be like, I've been wanting to say that to him. Maybe they'll get the balls to tell him to shave it off. I can't remember. Does he have facial hair like elsewhere? I can't really remember. No. No. See, because, okay, and look. I'm no fashion plate, as everybody knows. It's like everything I wear uh, is either. He's pretty clean cut too. That's and see, that's the thing. He's you know he's, you know, he's not like me as a gay because everything I wear is either purchased by or approved by Sarah. So that's uh, so it's not like I'm really one to be passing judgment. But let me pass judgment in just this one moment. It seems to me that except in the rarest of circumstances, the era of just having the mustache is gone. Right? Unless you are... Unless you're like a hot hipster boy who can pull it no, off. No, unless you're, unless you're a gay man, period. Or Harry Reams. Well, see, but... Porn star. That's, that's, that's but see, it. that's the thing. Like, unless you were... If you well, are in a very... ironic mustache isn't very ironic anymore. Now it just kind of seems silly. Well, there's a lot of guys running around in Portland that it's, it's looking like maybe they've been drinking some grape Kool-Aid, and they got this silly-looking <laughs> mustache. You know, and, well, no, that's not... Like, black guys can get away with just the mustache, you know? I mean, Eddie Murphy's had just a mustache for years, and I think that uh, Steve Harvey, black comedians can get away with it. I think that's if, about it. Well, or maybe just, I mean, maybe comedians in general. In other words, like you said, John Waters. Yeah. Uh, who he can't is, get away with he's an entertainer and gay, and so he's kind of got the whole thing going on there. But it maybe if you are in some sort of, I don't know, if you work in a field or if you're in some sort of, you know, like if you are a creative person or you're an artist in some way, then the rules are a little bit relaxed for you. But if you're just, like, just a guy, if you're just some guy, the odds that, just the mustache by itself is going to because it's like one thing you know some guys will like they'll do the thing of like they'll shave the head and then they get the full on Avery Brooks you yeah. know I, and, I've done that before. which is no. I kind of have that now so, and see yeah. that works because then you get the it's what people call a uh, it's what people call a goatee but it's really a Van Dyke it's like Ben Affleck has in Chasing Amy where it's the mustache and then all the way down around the chin like you have yeah. you have that that works. Especially if you're a guy who's going to go with the head shave or whatever, or you just keep your hair real short on top because then it's a balancing. Just the mustache balances nothing. No, it just, it, it does, it looks, I mean, again, Magnum P.I. gets away with it, you know, Tom Selleck gets away with it, but that's that's about it, you know. And, and that was and also like 1984. It, it, yeah, it was. So, and, and, and you look at it now and you go, wow, that's really like just, I don't know, there's something that's sort of, you know, gay to me about just. About Tom Selleck? I well, don't believe what I'm hearing. Yeah, well, no, because he always wore those really tight shorts, and he's just always running around with Higgins. And yeah. Higgins, is, Magnum. <laughs> I don't know. The uh, 
And just one final observation about this, uh, about the the mustache thing. When you said Tom Selleck had it a Magnum PI, then of course I immediately think about uh, uh, about what did I think about Gerald McRaney and Simon and Simon. <laughs> and you're right, it was that whole, and it was, but it was, and it wasn't just a mustache. It was pronounced. I mean, it was yeah. a very. I mean that was almost an exaggerated mustache. It was. Yeah, it, do you know how hard it is to actually grow a mustache that thick? No. It's really, really difficult. Because I, I, I mean, this is like just a day's worth of growth right here. I, mm. I, but getting a big, thick mustache, I think they, I think they were mustachially enhanced, maybe or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. So. I don't think people can grow some pretty bitchin' stashes. Yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah. I can't really do that. Like, I, the facial hair doesn't really work for me all that well. I mean, I've tried to do, it, but it just like it's because it's like four different colors. First of all. Uh, and not in it with any rhyme or reason. It's like I'm a Dalmatian or something, but it's like just I on the... I want to see you. I thought you were going to do a beard at one point. Well, we were going to do... I was going to do a beard. Uh, you should, but I don't, I don't believe that you could grow a beard. Here's the... Now, see, but, but, but I could. It just it just doesn't look very good. I mean, that's the thing. I used to... You don't remember that. I used I've to, just never really seen you with a lot of facial hair, so like, therefore, it doesn't look like you could grow facial hair. When I lived in California, I did. It just doesn't look good because it's not uniform. And when I say the color isn't uniform, I don't mean like it's sort of... You know, like maybe dark up here and then it blondes, you know, up as it gets toward the chin, like some guys do that, or or the reverse, where it's dark here at the chin and then it gets lighter. Mine, I I look like a Holstein cow, where it's just patches of color with no rhyme or reason. It's like, you know what it is? It's like Sarah. It's like I'm wearing a beard quilt. That's what it looks like. Um, and so I just never really did it. We were gonna, I was gonna grow a beard before the last listener party. But then Joni screamed at us that we couldn't because we had the intro movie, oh, the and it neither needed to be continuity because it was like the the movie was as though we were just coming in off the street to go to the party. So I couldn't do it then. So that was a that was a thing didn't that didn't really work out for me. So all right, well anyway, that multicolored facial hair thing is a is a drag. All oh, mine's turning gray now, and so it's uh, it's I, I go back and forth between shaving it off and then letting it grow and. It's, it's it's driving me nuts. The gray kind of works, though. I mean, I think that's a thing that, like, as that comes in, I don't think people notice that as, in other words, it doesn't, people don't register that as a clash in colors. Like, if you had, you know, like, if you dye your hair and then the roots or something start to grow, yeah. like, that's a thing people notice. With the gray, I think we are very accustomed to seeing that. It doesn't bother people. People, and a lot of chicks dig that. Chicks sometimes, chicks dig the gray hair. I can't speak for anybody like Sarah or whatever, but I know girls who are, the guys get the, the, the you know, the speckling of gray or it starts to come a little gray. I know girls who find that to be a real turn-on. Yeah, maybe in other cities, but I think in Portland, where the guys with the spotty mustaches who wear really tight trousers, <laughs> trousers where chicks are into that, like, I'm living in the wrong city when it comes to the things that women are into these days, at least at least Portland women. So My final observation here about, about Tom Selleck and the mustache is, the other reason that Selleck oh, had Tom such a, a, just a huge mustache is because, if you've ever seen him without it, that's a guy who needs to keep that upper lip covered because it's just... He has an upper lip that is not unlike that of uh, Ren Hoek, uh, where, you know, that thing where, like, when Ren would get really angry, and go, I have had it up to here with your tomfoolery, and his lip would blow in the wind like a leaf. <laughs> you get the feeling that Tom Selleck's upper lip would do that because it just seems to have no... It's a weak lip is what it is. It's a weak lip. It's like, it's like having Barney Frank's upper lip. He doesn't have the whole <laughs> Barney Frank mouth because Barney Frank doesn't really have a mouth. Barney Frank just has a sort of gelatinous opening into which he puts food. You know what I mean? You know, and it's just sort of a thing that he... Barney Frank has a mouth that you... You get the feeling it's what Jeff Goldblum's mouth would have eventually looked like in The Fly. You know? Brundle Fly mouth, yeah. As he's leaning over to... Before I introduce this next house bill, I need to have a donut. You know? All right, we will gavel to a close while Congressman Frank consumes a donut and then has sex with Gina Davis. And... Back in 40 minutes. 
But that's the thing with uh, with, with Tom Selleck. Stacy Keach had that same thing going on. You remember Stacy Keach uh, yeah. in Mike Hammer looked like a badass, but then when they put him in American History X as like the weird like pedophile Nazi guy. I mean, that's creepy enough, but physically, all they had to do to make him look creepy, get rid of the mustache, because then he just looks odd. Well, doesn't, and I think he's also got, doesn't he have a, um, like a cleft palate? He has a scar of some kind, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, same thing, uh, what's-his-face has got that, the, uh... Joaquin. Yeah, and he's, facial hair ain't working on him, is it? Nothing's working on him. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's now begin this, the news hour with David Walker. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Well, nearly 5 million are getting unemployment benefits. This out of Washington. The number of laid-off workers receiving unemployment benefits has jumped to an all-time high, near 5 million, while new jobless claims remain well above 600,000. Both figures are worse than expected, and new projections from the Federal Reserve show unemployment rising for the rest of this year. That makes us feel really good, doesn't it? Uh, and that number is actually up significantly from last year. Last year, there was only 2.7 2.77 million claims. You know, I actually read a really disturbing statistic last night, which I know is hard to believe because now they're, because they're, here's the thing is we've now reached this event horizon where at least in terms of jobs in the economy, there is no, there is no good news, no. which I don't mean to be, I'm not trying to say it to be sort of for exaggerated effect or whatever. There just isn't any, like you, you look through the entire paper. You know what? You looked at the paper for the last month. And if you were able to, you looked at the paper for the next uh, year. If you had some sort of prestidigitative ability, it's not going to be any good news. But I read this statistic last night that I, it's one of those things you'd never thought of. But once you read it, you go, ah, and it clicks in your head and makes all kinds of sense. They said that actually as bad as the unemployment rate is right now and as many layoffs as there are at this moment, they said the real number of layoffs by American companies is actually, I mean, it's probably double what it is now. But the reason you don't notice it is because those are all jobs that have been outsourced overseas to other countries. Yeah. And they said that's the thing. When they talk about how American companies are laying off people left and right and there's this number, well, yeah, that's just the number in America. And what they don't ever tell you is, oh, and by the way, blah, 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 company laid off all of their over the, you know, the, their tech support people, all of their online support people in, like, Bangladesh, which affects us, I guess, indirectly. It doesn't affect us as immediately as, as it would if they were here. Um but, I mean, that's the, like those numbers are so much worse than that story makes it seem because so many of those jobs are not within the borders of the United States at this point. Yeah, usually they tend to dial down those sort of numbers, which is a little, you know, and I'm going through it right now. My unemployment claim is, like, I get a letter every week with the reason why they're not going to give me unemployment. And it's it's usually stuff like, well, you've, you're a writer, so you're self-employed, so we can't really prove that you've worked. Now, wait a minute. So this not that they're not going to continue your unemployment or they're not going to give it to you? They're not going to give it to me. I, I was on unemployment when I was initially laid off, and I went through that whole cycle, used up all that money, sure, and then but then did not reapply for a year. So I went all of 2008 without any sort of claim against the state. And then I just decided it got so bad, and I'm still having trouble finding regular work. I'm going to apply again, and it's just been a nightmare. It's been absolutely ridiculous. So well, especially now because you got to figure that there's just like the, just like the barbarians at the gates with those guys. They must they must feel the unemployment folks, you know, people who work at that office. 
it must just be a whole thing of, of like the zombie apocalypse where they want to put like, you know, they're putting a steel bar through the door yeah. because they can just see the horde coming over the hill. Like they must look at this thing where it's like another five million people or whatever. They're like, oh, God. Well, I, nobody, I, I don't think anyone knows where these people actually are hidden because you can't actually go. They don't have unemployment offices anymore. Oh, is that true? Yeah, every, they, they do have employment offices where you can go like looking for job centers where you can go and get career guidance and yeah. Let me put a rim uh, shot uh, after that. Yeah, career guidance, quote unquote. Um, and that's and, and, but you're better off just going to the, those places where the day laborers hang out. Right. You're more likely to get work there. Um, but you have to go online or you have to make a phone call and and you call down to Salem and it's just it it is such a nightmare and 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 you know we've long lived in a society where nothing is made simple and things just get more and more complicated and. Um, I mean, this is a great example. I, I did, I worked temp at the post office for a while. And so I was trying to, they're supposed to give you a form after you get let go, even as a temp, which they never gave to me. Right. So I'm trying to get that form, but that whole department has been phased out now, so I can't get the form. But, but, and the only proof I have that I work there was I actually have, you know, my W-2. You have a Facebook entry. Hey, I'm working at the post yeah, office exactly. today. Look, you got to help me out, miss. Which was... Probably the worst job I've ever had in my life, and what that's was, saying a lot. When you're temping at the post office, what do you do? I mean, when you're temping at the post office. Well, you've read World War Z, correct? Yes, I have. Remember the Battle of Yonkers? Yes. That's a lot like what, it's, <laughs> what working at the post office is like. Where you look into your land warrior scope and you just see your supervisor with a you know the face full of broken teeth and blood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I was literally I was just the guy who was uh, one of the guys that was sorting priority packages. And I did that for like 13 hours a day. And is that where just and this is a dumb question? So is that literally where there's just a big stack of packages and you go, that one goes in box A, that one yeah, goes in that, box it B? Was, it was, it was, that's the romantic, nostalgic version of the story. But you know, and I, I was kind of like, oh well, I need the money. And hey, Charles Bukowski did this, so I can work at the post office. And then you know, if you ever read his book, Post Office, like the first sentence of it was. It was the biggest mistake of my life, <laughs> you know, so at a certain point, And when you're in a job like that and, it, and you know, my own, you know, I'll be honest, with you, it's been it's been quite a quite a long time since I had to have a job where you, you know, a non radio job where you wake up and you just kind of go, oh, God, this yeah. is another day. But you when you do have those jobs, you start to ask yourself, I had this job once and this is, this is some time ago. A long time ago, actually, but I had this job that was literally, and I and I say this, and sometimes people think that I'm using it as like sort of a that I'm usually that I'm speaking figuratively, like a, like as a representation of bad jobs. But I had a job where literally, my job was to put pieces of concrete in a bucket, carry the bucket like a hundred yards away, dump the concrete pieces out, walk back with the bucket. Put more concrete in the bucket, like wash, rinse, repeat all day. Okay. It was it was a company that had a huge, really they just had a massive pile. It's like the size of a barn, of concrete pieces they needed moved. And I guess they just figured that was the easiest way to do it. And so there I am for like eight hours a day. And at a certain point, you get to about hour two probably, and you think forward in your head, you're like, at what point will I snap? When will it all become too much? When are they going to find me sitting on the ground without any of my clothes on, pulling out my eyebrow hairs and laughing, laughing, laughing? Or it's like, well, isn't this what they did in Cool Hand Luke? This is this is this is a prison job, you know? How'd your dirt get in my hole, Luke? You're gonna have to clear my hole out again. You get in that in the box. Yeah, yeah. No, I've I've had a couple of doozies like that, and I fortunately I hadn't had one in a long time, but. 
Um, after I got laid off, I was like, well, I just need some dough, you know. Yeah. How and again, how bad could it be? And again, I think I've said this also on the air. I'm the sort of person who's always thinking, well, there's probably going to be a good story in this. And so then I'll, I find myself doing just really dumb things right. or things that aren't necessarily best for my health or my emotions. Sarah and I wouldn't know anything about yeah. that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Because there's nothing like a really good story to tell. And then your friends just sort of look at you and go, oh, how, how could you do that? And then you sort of laugh. But inside you're crying because, you you know, I, I had a job like that. I worked it for Goodwill for a summer years ago, and that was – I actually cried one morning before I went to work. Do you want to handle lice-infested clothing all day? <laughs> Oh yeah, that do you want a treat, special job. Do you want Do you want to take? A, do you want to get piles of broken toys from people with sores on their faces? Come work at Goodwill. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, that's look. I hate that's the thing, and I know that that's not the reality. Yeah, but, I yes, mean, that's, it is. That is the reality. <laughs> but it's like you know what, Laura and I occasionally, when we're not just putting things in front of our house with a sign that says "Take if want," you know, we'll take stuff to the uh, when we're not giving her perfume away on the corner in front of our house. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll go to the Goodwill occasionally, and you see those guys coming out with, like, you expect them to be in the full-on Devo suits, but it's like they got the big-ass, like, rubber gloves that go all the way up to the shoulder, and, you know, is this the clothing you're dropping off? Great, hold on. You know, and they've yeah, got the yeah. huge metal case they're putting they in or something. They don't clean this stuff either, do they? Yeah, they, they? They clean some of this stuff, but there's, you know, like, we had this, this training we went through where you had to, you know, wear, like, these super heavy gloves because people who would leave their you know dirty hypodermics and stuff like that and 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 there was discarded there's things that people discard and you're not quite sure if well was this an accident did you accidentally put your dirty colostomy bag in with you know the clothes or (laughs) they just figured sort of a one-stop shopping in terms of discarding things they don't necessarily want around anymore yeah because when i'm Looking for. Honey, have you seen my collection of used condoms? Yeah. I left it somewhere. Was it in my other pants? Aw, damn. Yeah. So those are some of the fun things that that I found. I almost feel like later on today, Sarah, we ought to do. It is high concept Thursday. Uh, I almost feel like later on we ought to bring back something we did a long time ago. Uh, it was a. Uh, it went over very well. They almost think we ought to bring back uh, the worst job ever. Yes. For high for high. Oh, we haven't done Thursday. that in years. No, we did it. We did, because I think the last I time we did it on, on 1080. I think we did uh, high concept worst job ever. About three years ago, and that was where the guy talked about having a job at a rendering plant. And the day the air conditioning had gone out, so there's no cooling, everything at the rendering plant is slowly going rotten over the course of the day. And at one point, the rendering plant not only did, like, farm animals, but they did seafood and, and, you know, just all kinds of gross, hideous creatures. And at one point, at the end of the day, after the air conditioning had been knocked off, and you can see this coming a mile away, but it's still glorious, (laughs) stacked up were... I think he said it was either nine or 12 huge plastic buckets of fish bits that were just sort of fish leavings. Like the stuff that stuff that wasn't quite high quality fish enough to go in a fish stick. That sounds like something that you'd get at like Dairy Queen. Come on down for fish bits, you know? The I fish was, bits happy meal. But it was just he he said basically it was like garbage juice filled with with filled with uh, uh, with like um, scales and you know and fins. But it had been sitting there all day in this rendering plant where there had been no air conditioning. And then as he was getting ready to leave, there was some sort of Rube Goldberg, James Thurber comedy of errors where he tripped and then knocked the buckets down onto himself. And they opened on the way down, and he was covered in fish leaving. And, I mean, that was it. And he was, and he was like, that's... And then he actually goes, that was a really bad day. 
And I think after that, we sort of put that topic on a shelf, figuring it could never be beaten, and it probably can't be. But later on today, don't call about this now. Later on today, we'll revisit this. We'll do High Concept Thursday, worst job ever. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back after this. We've got phone calls to get to, more from David Walker. We'll also be giving away two pair of tickets to Oscar Night America 2009. Your chance uh, to win those by making a scene, ladies and gentlemen. Later on, stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. By the way, just a quick clarification. This email says, Rick, you got that rendering story wrong. They were stacks of fish heads that had been sitting out in the sun for a week. Just wanted to clarify. Wow. Yeah. Rick Emerson regrets the error, sir. Sorry it took me so long to get back into the studio. Richie and I were planning um, and going wig shopping this afternoon. Let me ask you this. Why does Richie say, when he's referring to getting a manicure, why does he say that thing, nails get did? your nails did? Is that like some hip lingo that the kids use? I think so. Well, I like to say get my nails did, too, because it sounds just trashy. I mean, Because well, getting your nails done just sounds trashy, yeah, too. Like, when you say it, though, it, you have that, you're able to put just a little bit of the wink in your voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas when Richie says it, it's always in that raspy, like, I need to go drink another rock star voice. And it just sounds as though maybe he, uh, at well, around third grade, he had to go work in a factory somewhere. Well, I mean, Richie also says, you know, like, don't know nothing. Like, he, you know, he talks a little, a, a little differently. Yes. yes, he does. Hey, we should, uh, I'd be curious to know this. As Richie, uh, you know, when he is in drag as Rochelle, I'd be curious to know whether his grammar and syntax become better. Because that would indicate that it is, in fact, that our theory is correct, that it's a wholly separate part of his brain that is in charge at that point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, this is sort of thing to keep your eye It does speak more properly and eloquently. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hello, Rick. How are you? Hey, what's up? Oh, not much. Um, hi, Sarah. I've got the hi. best um, goodwill story for you. And by best, I mean worse. Okay. Um uh, it's regarding whether or not they wash their clothes before putting them out on the shelves. About five years ago, my uncle was uh, on a extended long walk, afternoon walk with his wife uh, down in Eugene. Uh, decided that he didn't want to wear pants anymore, so they stopped by the local Goodwill to buy a pair of shorts. He proceeded to grab a pair off the rack, go in the dressing room, and try them on. Looks down and sees a brown streak going all the way up his leg. That's fantastic. It was horrible. By the way, any story that contains the phrase, decided he didn't want to wear pants anymore, <laughs> that story is an automatic win right there. You that goes it. in the plus column immediately. Well done, hey, sir. And one more thing? Yeah. Okay. Thanks so much. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, did you hear about the Seattle Zoo lockdown? I think I may have heard something about that. In fact, it may be time for a monkey watch. Thank you, sir, for the segue. We appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, here's David Walker. Seattle Zoo locks down after monkey escapes. Officials locked down Woodland Park Zoo on Thursday after male Debrazis monkey escaped from his outdoor exhibit. Zoo spokeswoman Rebecca Whitman says zookeepers have spotted the monkey and are now trying to coax him back to his exhibit. Is it Debrazis? Is it from Debrazis Junior High? I guess so. Uh Uh-huh. Now... I just want to say that we've been all this joking about poor Travis aside. I really think we need to be concerned. And I think 
that this whole zombie apocalypse thing that yeah. you're always talking about, that ain't going to have time to happen because the ape uprising is here. The monkey apocalypse the is, monkey a, is on us. It's, this is straight out of Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. I mean, it's all been <laughs> prophesized. Because if you recall in China, not, what, three months ago, those monkeys attacked that guy with a stick. Dude, that was the be- I don't even think we read that story on the air. You and I talked about it yep. sort of during a break, but we never really got to it. One of the it was they was in a circus or something, and like as part of keeping the monkey in line, they were like they would whack it with a stick occasionally. And they were street performers, yeah. And one day the monkey was like, "Well, I've had enough." Yeah, yeah. there was there was two monkeys, and the trainer attacked one of them with the stick, started to hit one with the stick, and then the other took the stick and turned around, and started beating him. So that was then we got the monkeys in Tokyo that work in a restaurant, okay, and they I think they've been having some problems with they that. work in a restaurant. They work it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm Sarah. I'm well, not making this up. You well, know, well, have I ever lied to you? They, well, they, they, they serve they 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 serve the beer, and they're not able to unionize. That's the thing. They're not that organized yet, so that's really the advantage. <laughs> and see, so this is what's going to happen as our economy goes spindles or spirals out of control. Cheap labor. They're going to start training monkeys, just like in Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. They're going to start doing all this sort of, you know, things that, you know, for peanuts. They work for peanuts. And see, here's the thing. As you speak right now, your voice is going into a microphone, which is then going to the processing, which is then going to the broadcast tower, which is then being beamed out into space and also onto the Internet. And it will inevitably end up on a small uh, cassette tape on the desk of Les Moonves, who will hear this whole discussion and he will say, and he'll do that thing of like, you know, uh, Miss Miss Fontaine, can you come on here, please? Take a letter. And then he's gonna, dear, you know, all general managers and program directors, uh, please consider who on your air staff might be replaceable by a monkey. <laughs> please report back by close of business Friday. To what extent our operations could be monkeyized? This could be a positive cash flow uh, step for CBS uh, Corporation. Thanks, best. Less one best. There you go. And this is how it starts. It starts with a little 200-pound chimp in Stamford, Connecticut, going, the, going ballistic. The next thing you know, there's going to be a monkey out doing one of the sticker stops for the street team. That's right. Hey, I'm a big fan of uh, KUFO. Can I get a sticker? <laughs> you know, and then, you know, and then the monkey offers you, like, a choice between, like, a T-shirt or, like, a Taylor Swift CD, and then it <laughs> yanks off your testicles. It's it's like the trunk monkey. Remember those, <laughs> totally. those great commercials? I do remember that. <laughs> How can monkeys be so strong? Because they're animals. I mean... I mean, it's what do you mean? Diet. That's like saying, how can you be so smart? I mean, it's like... It, it, I guess, but I mean, like... You just evolved to be that way. Well, how can an, you walk upright? Well, they're an animal, but I mean, like, can well, other animals deadlift a thousand pounds? Yeah, yes. you wouldn't ask, like... I mean, yeah, you wouldn't ask, like, how can a whale be so be so strong? Maybe I would, it's, Rick. It's, you don't know what goes on in this mind. It's, it's, their, it's their skeletal and their muscular structure that allows them to be stronger than human beings. They're more compact oh, did, and their bones are denser. Oh, did you mean the actual physical like underpinnings of it? Yeah. Is, like, how, see, and is that true? See, I don't even I really just know. I made that up, but it sounds... <laughs> it totally is. <laughs> I mean, totally yeah. I mean, I get what... Well, my it's guess like, what's in be, monkey muscles that allows them to dead weight, you know, deadlift a thousand pounds and us not to? Well, you know, humans, I mean, humans, like, like we couldn't do it, but I mean, there's those guys who, you know, those power lifters who train their whole life and that's their whole thing. It's like, lift, I'm going to lift 1,200 pounds or whatever. And that's just one guy over the course of his life training to do it. Mm-hmm. You got to figure if... If you're living in the wild, and you got to be able to do everything, you got to be able to, as Eddie, as Eddie Izzard would say, uh, jumping, jumping, running, climbing trees. Uh, you got to be able to do all that. Your system, you know, it's like whatever favors your survival, then gets exaggerated over time as part of natural selection, which has got to be, 
that. And plus, they're obviously predatory animals, and you can tell because their eyes are in the front of their face as opposed to on the side. Because if your eyes are on the side, it's to evade evade predators. Uh, if your like eyes are yeah, exactly. Yeah. If if your eyes are on the front, it's so it's so you're evolving to hunt, so you can see things in front of you. But alligators' eyes are on the sides of their heads. Is that true, um, or are they just sort of? Weird and pointing I, I, in every direction at once. That up, that I'm not sure. But what I do know is that um, I don't know anything right now. <laughs> None of us know anything. <laughs> this whole conversation sounds like we're all making stuff up as we're going along. Welcome, Welcome to that welcome. life, David Walker. Welcome yeah. to our program. <laughs> um, but I am. I'm afraid right now, Rick. I, uh, Sarah, I'm. I when I was a kid, I, I decided not to become an astronaut because I was worried that I would go through a time warp in space. And end up on a planet ruled by apes. That is and, the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and now, a logical fear. It's 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 coming true, you know. Well, I mean, I mean look, here's the the thing that will kind of freak you out when you're up late at night and sort of just thinking about stuff is you know, what a guy said one time on the Discovery Channel. And it's one of those observations that I guess you know, if you're like you're an actual scientist, you sort of are aware of this and you've just internalized it and you're fine with it, you've accepted it. But it is that every single moment of every single day forever. Every single living organism on Earth is fighting to be top of the food chain, to be the apex predator, as they say. And right now it's us, just because, uh, you know, because we can use flamethrowers. And so, uh, but, you know, but, but like, here's, like, there's that thing, that story the other day about that octopus that decided it didn't like the other creatures that it was living in the lab with. And they, could, they couldn't figure out, like, there were these fish. Oh, oh, they, kept oh the, they, kept, they, they kept killing the sharks. But, they yeah, were like, but, but the sharks were, like, across the room in a separate tank. Like, it wasn't like a habit trail or something where it was all connected. Like... Like it was an aquarium with an octopus, and then like on the other side of the room, like on a counter, like next to the sink, like a tank with some sharks, and they couldn't figure out like that's odd. Where did the shark? There were three here yesterday. Now there's only one, and so they finally set up a camera, and this was on National Geographic, so it's not like somebody's just screwing with us. What they found is that after dark, the octopus would, and I picture it sort of like stealthily looking around and then putting on like a black knit cap, you know, <laughs> and just sort of, it, and then it it would stealthily sort of like ooze out of the tank and it would go over and it would just destroy one, of, one or two of the sharks. And then at one point, the octopus apparently, and this is all true, by the way, I'm not making any of this up. At one point, the octopus decided that it didn't much care for the light that was beaming in on it all the time in the aquarium. So it absorbed, you know, they have that thing that shoots ink. So it sucked some water into its body and then shot the water at the light and shorted it out. And I remember reading that, and I actually just put the story down. It's like, yeah, it's, that's, it's, that's when you start realizing. See, the key is, is, and this will answer Sarah's question why monkeys, chimps, apes, gorillas are, are so much stronger than humans, because they're not wasting their time. Drinking energy drinks and surfing the internet. <laughs> they're doing the important things. They're, they're training to kill. So yeah, that's it. They're they're in the jungle. They're the, you yeah. That's all they do is like hunt for food and each other. And they're out there like John Rambo. You know what I mean? That's, Getting stronger. Exactly. <laughs> so that's it. And 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 this is what we're up against, man. And see, the thing is, is that the zombies, the zombies, we don't have to. You don't have to worry about them because they can't organize. They don't communicate. They don't have a goal. They're just shambling, walking corpses but the apes they'll organize and they'll have a goal and that'll be the inevitable downfall of mankind and that's a battle i don't want to fight well and we talk about zombies being so symbolic and representative representative of, of, of everything but in a weird way it's like you know like like the monkey uprising is even more so because it's like 
Because it's us, you know, because it's just because it's like some earlier version of all of us. Just, uh, you know, it, it is like being attacked by our own past. I know. It's like if it's an earlier version of us, then have we lost all of our superior muscles? Uh, yes. 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 I mean, you got a big brain. That's a, I mean, that's a, that's about it. I mean, that's right. That's the deal. That's a, that's really our only demonstrable skill at this point. And that's what, that's what got Travis mad. I mean, I if, if he could talk now... Did we use our dead, brain to put him in an old Navy commercial? Yeah. <laughs> he must just... I mean, right? That's the thing. It's like in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where uh, there's Marvin, uh, Marvin the robot, who is, you know, he's unbelievably intelligent, but he's depressed because his life is just wasted on mundane things. And there's at some point where it's like they ask Marvin the robot to make a cup of tea, uh, you know, and, Marvin, can you make us a cup of tea? And he has this whole... Here I am, brain the size of a planet, and they ask me if I can make tea. Of course I can make tea. God, I'm so depressed. But that's, whereas Marvin becomes depressed, I think Travis just becomes angry, because he looks at him, you know, he's got the most advanced civilization in the history of whatever, and I'm using it to watch a guy jam a jar into a sensitive portion of his body and then pick out pieces of glass. And finally, he must, Travis must have been like, F this, the time of purification is at hand, brothers, because... Did you not just read in that story, we're still inside the monkey watch, which we have to close in a second. Did you not just read in that story that there is a monkey, A, on the loose in Seattle, and B, that it's caused sufficient fear that they have locked down the Seattle Zoo? Imagine if you chose to go, I wonder if there's a school there today. Trapped inside the zoo. Trapped inside with the monkey running around. But but here's my thing. Now, is is it loose in the zoo or is it loose in the city? No, it's loose in the zoo. Uh, and it says here zookeepers have spotted the monkey and are now trying to coax him back to his exhibit. Um, I probably like, guess that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She she says it's unknown whether the animal is a danger. Yeah, it's a monkey <laughs> on the loose <laughs> on the day that Travis was buried. And <laughs> obviously, this is a statement is, that's being made. And it's it's uh, it's it's on the loose in a zoo where it's been kept in a cage yeah. and uh, sort of leered at by school children for 15 years on the day that Travis is buried. This is like Cool Hand Luke, how they have to put him in the box because his mama's being buried that day. And sometimes when your mama's being buried, you get rabbit in your blood and you want to run. And so they got to give him the uh, chains because you never stop hearing them clink. Uh, so that's what they do. There's nothing that I can't work a cool hand uh, Luke reference into. But my whole thing is, like when they're locking down the rest of the zoo, that speaks of a certain Orwellian fear that the rest of the animals are suddenly going to be like, this is it, the signal has been given, the, the seventh seal has been broken, the time of cleansing is nigh, brothers. And then suddenly you see, the, you know, the, suddenly the elephants... You know, like in the last unicorn when they're all freeing each other. Exactly what it is. Wow, wow, all that's right. good. That was a good reference right. right there. Well, let's let's end the monkey watch. There you go. There's your monkey watch for now. Uh, for now. It's kind of scary that it's only 12:50. We've had two monkey watches. Doesn't it seem like there's some sort of a quickening happening with the monkeys right now? One story every three months, then two stories every month. Now a story an hour. Yeah. By the way, this says it's great to hear David Walker talk about how he had to constantly convince himself that awful jobs would make good writing material because I've had to do that so often. I've had approximately 25 non-professional jobs in my life, including using torches and welders in central Washington when it was 105 degrees outside. It was a whole summer of literally lighting myself on fire. No exaggeration. There would be moments where the entire bottom half of my shirt would be engulfed in flames. I also... I also set an entire field on fire and was trapped in the middle. But since I was wearing a a welding helmet, I was completely unaware that I was totally surrounded by a wall of four-foot flames. So I just kept welding away, wondering why it was so hot outside. 
And like David, I also worked at Goodwill when I was at WSU. I had a little girl come up to me and sincerely ask if you had to be retarded to work there. I told her, yes. <laughs> there are two good things about terrible jobs. One, they make good stories of the we'll laugh at this someday variety. And two, I get to tell people that I was an official state of Washington cherry inspector, which is totally true in your face. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, once again with the news, David Walker. All right. Well, doctors amputate, amputate, excuse me, doctor amputates Oklahoma teen's arm after he sneaks into an oil well site trapped in machinery. Ugh. Oklahoma City, a teenager who sneaked onto an oil well site to play on the equipment. Think about that. A teenager, he snuck onto the equipment. It is Oklahoma, though. On the equipment, got tangled in a piece of machinery, and a doctor had to amputate his left arm to free him, firefighters said. The 17-year-old boy and his friend jumped an 8-foot fence Sunday to play with a pump jack, a common piece of oil field equipment that rocks up and down to lift oil out of the well. By the way, I love the idea. Was it him and a friend? It's always him and a friend. Him and a friend, exactly. Him and a, I love the idea of two teenage boys, undoubtedly frustrated by many things in their life, deciding to go get on a pump jack, which rocks up and down. Well, see, that's hours. the thing. They, they, I'm sure they didn't know what it was, and... Hey, Jethro, you know, I hear they got a pump jack. Is that one of those things that you field? always see in the movies, though, where it's just, it's like a big, it looks like a big, uh, I want to say hammer and sickle, but that's not right. But it looks like the scales of justice, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's just going back and forth and back. Who doesn't know that that thing would crush you? It's like a million feet high and made of steel and moves. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but this is what a, um, the fire chief, Cecil Clay of Oklahoma City, said. I would cost anyone who'd heard stories about riding those pump jacks and getting out there and messing with them to write that off. It's not that much fun anyway. It's dangerous. By the way, I would like to think uh, that the missing arm will scare off any prospective uh, females that might have married him, thus preventing his dumb genes from being passed on to another generation mm, of idiots. No. You know what's going to happen? There's going to be some chick out there who's going to like feel sorry for him, think it's kind of sexy. Hey, Jethro lost his arm. And it's going to be – It's. I mean, you think about it all the time. I mean – Think about, and you're married now, Yes. but think about how much trouble you had before you got married compared to, say, someone like, you know, Richard Ramirez. Okay, fair yeah. enough. I mean, they're serial killers. Every serial killer in prisons, they got a girlfriend. I guess. I mean, yeah. I guess, you know, and you're, you know here's, and can I just say this? In my, this is just my assessment. So, and I am, uh, I'm neither a woman nor in a wheelchair, so I can't really, uh, I'm, just, I'm just looking at this as an outside looking in thing. It seems to me, maybe Sarah could answer this, that there's something that women find uh, flat out unbelievably hot. And that is the guy with some sort of a handicap who has uh, become incredibly successful or a badass in some other way. You know what I mean? Like it's like the guy in the wheelchair who then like like owns, uh, you know, like a Fortune 500 company. Or how about this? The guy in the wheelchair... But he does something where he can, like, like he's some Olympic athlete where he can, like, he can lift like 480 yeah. pounds or whatever. You know, well, that's because most able-bodied guys have no ambition whatsoever. Right. They just and 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 that's like women get turned on by ambition. And so a little thing like a disability, not that saying that being disabled is a little thing, but any guy who can overcome that, you got to take your hat off to him. Because uh, have you ever seen the documentary Murderball? I have. Like. All those, those guys, guys get laid constantly. They got some of the hottest yeah. girlfriends and wives yeah. you could imagine. Have you and seen Murder Ball, Sarah? I haven't. I've heard a lot about it. It is fantastic. It it's about these film. guys that play wheelchair rugby. rugby yeah. And it's like full on, full. I mean, it sounds ludicrous when you describe it and say full contact wheelchair rugby, but I mean, it's no joke. I mean, it is like these guys welding like armor covers on their on the wheels of their wheelchair, and they are 
And they, it's it's a really refreshing documentary because it's not that like sad. Bob lost his legs when he was five. Like they're like, we're not role models. I don't want sympathy. I don't want to talk to your kid and inspire him. Like I'm in a wheelchair. I'm playing rugby. You know, you, you, you up yours if you don't care for that. And it's so great to watch because they just it is very much they're just athletes that happen to be in wheelchairs. And like all athletes, they you know they've got a, a big aggro streak and they drink and they're foul mouthed. And it's it is sort of inspiring in a weird. In a weird way, a way that you wouldn't anticipate. Okay. It's pretty great. And they get laid constantly because chicks think it's, you know, fantastic, which I suppose it is. And I got to tell you, I got no real physical ailments. You know what I did last night? Uh, it, I, I sat and I watched four back-to-back episodes of Anthony Bourdain, No Reservations, and I ate one of those huge bags of munchies. That's four different <laughs> snack chips all mixed together. And, by, right. and I sprinkled Tabasco sauce in it beforehand and then shook the bag up. There you go. So the, Sounds pretty classy. That's what I did. And so here's the – and I'm doing that great thing. Uh, where I'm sitting on the couch with... I'm picturing this right now. That's why I'm... Do you know munchies? You know the snack food? Oh, yeah. yeah. Dude, they are so good. Uh, because and last night's was... Munchies is from Frito-Lay where they take four preview... They take four extant snack chips and they mix them all together in one package. Last night it was pretzels, Doritos, Sun Chips, and uh, Cheetos. All mixed together in one bag. And then they add extra cheese dust on top of it. And then I poured some Tabasco sauce in, and then I resealed the bag and shook it up and down for like three minutes, which is the only physical exercise I got, you know, of any kind. <laughs> and then I sat on the sofa, and I'm just, and my wife is gone. This is the great thing about it. My wife worked. All that explains. Lara worked from 7 p.m. last night to 7 a.m. this morning, so she gone. So I'm just, you know, she gone long time. So oh, I'm, we didn't talk about bumping into each other last night. No, so we'll talk about that. Yeah, that was that was weird. Uh, well, yeah, so we'll talk about that because that's actually where I bought the where that's where I bought the munchies. Uh, but uh, so I'm sitting there on the couch, and it's the big bag. <laughs> like it's not the huge huge party bag, but it's not the bag out of the vending machine. It's a bag that I would say is about. It's a bag that is about. I would say eight inches high and maybe six inches across. I mean, it's large. Um, and so there I am sitting on the couch and just, just shoveling. I mean, the whole bag, just every, and then at the end, I'm tipping it up and like tapping the crumbs into my mouth the whole time watching Anthony Bourdain go to exciting places and climb mountains and eat, uh, you know, uh, eat like fried squid from his kind of like your wife. in Indonesia. And uh, yeah, and I'm watching going, that's really great to go to cool places and work out and eat exciting food and have adventures. That's wonderful. And I'm wondering if I can melt some cheese into the bag, you know, and sort of stir it up with my hand. And then I'm, you know, and then I realize that I've, you know, I've, I, I realize that the dog is licking one of my fingers, you know, as it's off the couch because it's got cheese dust on it. And I'm all, that's gross. I won't wash it now, though. <laughs> and I don't, ha- and I'm you not handicapped physically anyway. Are you sure. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I did with my night. So you get some guy, no legs, uh, you know, he's out there in a wheelchair. What does he do? Well, he's, uh, you know, he, uh, you know, he's like a, a, a gold medal javelin thrower. Oh, and he owns his own chain of auto dealerships. That guy is going to get women like, like going out of style. So, well, there you go. You because, just, you just need to put that level of determination into your life while you still have all of your, you know, appendages. That's, I guess. that's not going to happen. <laughs> Let's do one more. We'll take a break and get caught up. Here's David Walker. All right, well, Octomom, that's what they're calling her now in the news. Uh, what is her name? Nadia, how do you say her last name? Is Crazy? It, yeah, uh, I'm just going to say Nadia Crazy. <laughs> but I, I like this term, Octomom. That's kind of cool. Octomom, that's like a flow a, to it. Sounds like a, like a Cartoon Network series. Octomom and the Octuplets. I bet it will be on Adult Swim or something. Totally. I was just, just going to say, you can see them cranking out a, an Insta series about that right now. Well, she is about to be homeless, her and her 14 children. Um... 
she owes $23,225 to a mortgage company, so she is being evicted. She borrowed money in 2006 from IndyMac Bank. So the kids will just need a new womb to room? Nah, I was trying to do something that <laughs> fell apart. On the way out of my mouth, that tipped over. And I it never see really where you worked. were going with it, though. Yeah. Right. yeah, no, you tried, and so you deserve points for that. Um, I'm still trying to figure out, like, I'm guilty of this because I just read this, how this is news. Why should we care about this? Well, why should we or why do we? Well, why do we? Why do, well, because, because, because we freakish. need – And because and – I'm, and I'm sincere when I say this. Uh, because George W. Bush is gone and we have no one at whom to be angry. And I, re, and I really mean that. I, I, I don't know if it was you that I was talking about this. I was, it might have been – it might have been uh, um, it might have been Peter Carlin that uh, we were having this discussion on the air uh, around the election, uh, and I was saying that I I do think, and I've heard several people make this point. I think it's true that post George W. Bush, I think it is not a coincidence that a lot of people saying that they felt depressed and they felt edgy and off kilter. And I suspect, I mean, although the economy affects this because people can't afford to go to the doctor very much, I suspect if you were to look at like medication uh, prescriptions, shrink visits, therapy visits. I think probably there was some increase in that, not a spike, but probably some increase in that after W left office, because for so long, for so many people, I mean, Democrat and Republican, because by the time he left office, remember, his, his disapproval rating was like 84% or something. Something like that, yeah. Because for everyone in the country, except my in-laws, he had become the blank slate onto which we just projected all of our frustration. Oh, and not that he didn't deserve a lot. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the guy f the country in like a hundred different ways. But, but it's like that was almost incidental. Like, yeah. he did deserve a lot of blame for stuff. But even if he didn't, he just became this thing, and we could put all of our frustration right on him and be like, that guy is the worst president ever. He's, he's, he's incompetent. He's irresponsible. He's a boob. He's out of whatever, which might all be true, might not be. But it was a great place to focus all the irritation. And, and then I think... And then you would, and that led to then extreme cases where you hear people go, and he's worse than Hitler. Like these, you know, you sort of get like the, you know, like the nitwit, like the Kabu Air America types that are like, you know, it's the single worst thing that has ever happened in the history of civilization. And you just knew as soon as he was gone, all of those people were going to become much more unhappy because then they would have to admit to themselves that really the problem was something else, like maybe with yes. them. You know. And see, I, I owned all of my problems before. Like I, I, I blame most of my problems on the women I date. Good for you. See, and so they'll always easier. be around. You That's know? right. That's right. You know, they, they, there'll always be. You know, there's always gonna be a woman you can blame something on. Exactly. So, and it's much easier. And it's not my fault that I dated them. I mean, I was just so <laughs> appealing to them that they couldn't resist me, and I just was. Oh boy. I was too caught up in my own genius to realize that they were losers. So. Yeah. So I mean, I, so that's the thing. I mean, I think that it's. Uh, I think that, that that's the deal. That is why everybody's kind of feeling weirded out now. Because, no one else to blame. Yeah, Bush is gone, and we're like, uh, but we were blaming him for everything. All right. Yeah. Um, well, we'll blame Octomom. I can't. Uh, let's see. Yeah, yeah. Her. Well, and it's everything, right? Yeah. It's like kids. It's health care because she somehow had access to a doctor who would give her all this expensive health care. So she has health care. She's in debt. You know, she's fifty grand in debt. She's on food stamps, which is another hot button for a lot of Americans. She, uh, you know, she's a single mom, another hot button for a lot of Americans. She, she seems America is what she, she is. She really is. More kids than she can possibly afford without the intelligence or uh, economic, uh, you know, underpinning to pay for them, which is like America in a nutshell. And she, and she wants to be famous for nothing. And, uh, totally. Uh, wants to be famous for nothing, has set up a website where she is, no lie, asking people just to send her money and things. Uh, and is probably going to lose her home, which is a thing facing a lot of Americans right now who mm -hmm. maybe feel like they are undeservedly being evicted. So 
She gets all this media attention, so she gets fame and celebrity, which a lot of people feel like, well, why, why aren't I famous? Why don't I get celebrity? She's getting it, even though she's obviously a nutcase and irresponsible, and in my opinion, should have been sterilized a long time ago. Um, so she is, right now, she is just the absolute collected embodiment of everything America wants to be angry about, and she's in, in, in one person. And it's a real person. Like, it's not that we have to make anybody up. The real person. She's right there. So that's why. I wish I could have done what she did, just so I could, you know. But I'd, I'd like, turn, I'd monetize it somehow. I'd find a way to, I'm, I guess I'm smart enough that I would have, you know. Like Those made, 14 babies become 14 humans pretty quickly. Yes. Yeah. I would yeah. never want to But I would, have, I would have done it, made, like, a pay-per-view event out of it or something. And Name one of your kids, like, the Staples the Staples Center baby. Or... Maybe we'll like, bid on her yeah, to name the kids. Totally. Oh, yes. There you go. Hey, hey that's, that's, that's see, idea. Yeah, write that down. See. Now, see, you know what? think without a soul. <laughs> think that's where the best a... ideas come from. That's, that's, that, that could be like the motto of your business, like Sarah X. Dillon, thinking without a soul. On that note, let's take a break. We'll come back after this. More from David Walker around the corner. Later on, we'll do today's installment of Facebook Poetry. Peter Carlin will join us. And uh, we will do uh, another uh, installment of Making a Scene, your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Oscar Night America 2009 at the Hollywood Theater. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Stay there. the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Still to come today, we will talk to Peter Carlin, culture czar for the Oregonian. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? We'll be doing uh, Making a Scene, your chance to reenact a scene, speech, or sequence from a film live on the air. you got to do it from memory. And you're on your honor as a listener that you will not be uh, cheating or using a visual aid in any way. Yesterday we had Shaun of the Dead and So I Married an Axe Murderer. Yes? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so uh, be listening for that. We'll give the call to action uh, later on. At that point, you call up. If you can reenact a scene, sequence, or speech from a film from memory on the air. Uh, to our amusement, you want a pair of tickets to Oscar Night America 2009 coming up this Sunday at the Hollywood Theater uh, as part of film, uh, the uh, uh, Film Action Oregon as a fundraiser for the uh, preservation of the theater itself. Uh, we, should have, we should have David Walker um, do a segment from uh, Black Santa's Revenge. <laughs> Can you do? Let me ask you this, David Walker. Is there a scene or a, a speech from a movie, one of your own or perhaps another, that you can do from memory? Uh, yeah, there probably is, but can I do it a little later? Because I, I want to, you know, I got to get into it. You want to be able to sell it. Yeah, yeah. I want to be able to sell it. I, I'm trying sell. to remember what the one was that I always went to. Because there was really only one that I was able to, that I was able to do. Um, might have been something for the Blues Brothers, but maybe not. You know some stuff from singles. From singles. I can do some stuff from singles. What well, the hell was the... This is one of those things, though, where it's like, you know, of course, you're having trouble thinking. What do I know? What do I know? But then you pop a movie in. Right. And then it's like... If you're anything like me, there's probably over a dozen movies that once it's in, you know almost all the dialogue, you know every sequence, you totally, you know, yeah. And I think for demonstration purposes, when we first started this bit some years ago, I think that I think I did, of all things, I think I did uh, the Howard Beale speech from Network for some reason, which is the oh, and I used to be able to do, I used to be able to do the Glengarry speech, you know, Alec Baldwin's whole. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to be in sales. It's a tough racket. I used to be able to do that whole Howard Beale speech, too. And I'm sure, given, like, if I just sort of focused on it, I'd be able to get back into it. Because that is, 
like I mean, just so such an amazing piece of writing anyway and acting. Oh yeah, so, well you know that um, that uh, that's the first take. When you see Network and Howard Beale's doing his speech, yeah. all but one little section of that is a single take because he did it twice. And the first one, I guess, was was great. The second take was okay. But he actually just flat out told uh, Lumet afterwards, he's like, I can't do it again. He's like, there's no way. He's like, I'm just so. And, of course, then he died of a heart attack not too long after that. Yeah, so no. clearly he was in poor health. And I don't know whether he knew he had heart trouble or not, but he was just like, he was just told Sidney Lumet, he's like, I can't do that whole thing again. Uh, so when you watch that, that is literally, I mean, that's real life happening right there because it's a guy who was probably, you know, not too, you know, his ticker didn't have too many more ticks in it at, at, at that juncture. And, I mean, he just, I mean, that is one of those sequences, uh, the Howard Beale speech in Network. And people always say the Howard Beale speech and they forget that there are actually several. Yeah. There's yeah. another one where he's going, and uh, all of them eventually is stolen by Aaron Sorkin, but there's um, or Spike Lee. But there's another speech later on where he's um, where he's speaking to the people on the Howard Beale show, and he's um, you people never knew any reality that didn't come off this box. There is no truth on this box. I want you to turn off your televisions right now, even in the middle of this sentence. And he's doing the whole thing, um, and they're just it's impossible to overhype them. It's like somebody said. Somebody said that to me about Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, you know, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But he goes, you know, he goes, you know, there's no way you can overhype it or overbuzz it. He's like, it's just fantastic. And the Howard Beale speech and Network, whatever you think about the movie that surrounds it, that scene is impossible. No matter how many times you've seen it played during that Oscar montage, yeah, yeah. Uh, no matter how many times you've heard it referenced, no matter how many times you've heard me talk about it, you watch it, and if it if that is if that sequence does not make the hair all over your body just stand up, and if it is, you just you're you ought to check your pulse because you're just not living. Well, and it's you know those little clips that we see are just that little clips. They're yeah. they're it's a much bigger context. Yeah, no, I, I that I think you can't you cannot overhype network enough. Slumdog Millionaire, yeah, you could probably override yeah. it. It's good, but you know, it's 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 prone to hyperbole. I uh, believe. By the way, before we move forward here, I got to say, apparently on the O'Reilly factor last night, Bill O'Reilly was he was all up in arms about the you know about the the, the chimp attack or whatever the chimping, um, and apparently it had come out at some point that the woman had let Travis the chimp yes drive a car occasionally, <laughs> undoubtedly with like a bunch of Shriners in the back seat or whatever, like honking a horn with a kooky little a, hat. Have you seen a picture of Travis the Chimp? I, well, yeah, uh, he, looks, he wasn't a very, he, you know, that's the thing. He's not a, a cute, chimp. no, he's not a cute chimp. That's the thing. He's not the sort of, he's not Bonzo. No, you no. You know what I'm saying? He's no. not. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's he, not. He, he's not, he's not um, the little chimp at the end of Escape from the Planet of the Apes with a hand out the cage going, Mama, but the, Mama, but just, Mama. Sorry, I had to do that. It's all the worth it for the screen capture that this listener sent me. A guy got a screen capture of last night's O'Reilly Factor. And you know the deal is, and Stephen Colbert parodies this, where it's the screen capture where it's O'Reilly's face on the left, and then on the right is like the one-sentence distillation of what he's saying in that speech. Uh, you know, which is sort of the, uh, that's more idiocracy in action right there. But it's O'Reilly's picture, and then next to it it has the bullet point of what he's saying. That is a freaky-looking Chimp, but here's, ape, monkey, whatever. And here's here's the screen capture. It's Bill O'Reilly. And then over to the right it says, and he's got that serious Bill O'Reilly face of like, and I am conveying truth to you right now. It says, chimps shouldn't drive cars. Enough is enough. So there you go. That's Bill O'Reilly's talking point last night. Chimps shouldn't drive cars. That's uh, advice from Let's the... Let's uh, has especially, like, handy-looking feet. Good God. Well, you know, the other thing about Travis, when you look at the pictures of him, he doesn't look like he's in the best of shape. No, he has big moves. Which means that, uh, you see, he was a victim of humanization. 
like he was probably overfed. Probably, she probably a little too much like yeah, McDonald's probably, or something. Well, see now here's the deal. I'll let everyone in on a little secret. There there are no drive-throughs, very few drive-throughs in Stamford, Connecticut, because I grew up right outside mm-hmm. of Stamford. But there are a lot of fast food joints. So I'm sure she probably took him into a Roy Rogers or took him into a McDonald's. You know, got him the Happy Meal, and then. Uh, and then he sat around and he, he probably watched Judge Judy all day long. And that's what he looks like. He looks like he's been watching Judge Judy and not eating well. And this is what, and so his craziness was probably, you know, it was, it was, it was just multiplied by just the garbage of, you know, he was like, because he probably thought he was human. They enslaved me and made me consume McGriddles by the metric ton. Well, it's weird because in this picture, in like the, the stock photo of him, he's in a cage. But didn't he just live in the home like a I, human? You know, I don't really know. It's all very confusing. Yeah, it's a, a, it's, it's, it's so creepy. We, we need to wait for the made-for-TV movie. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program where seemingly the monkey talk cannot be stopped. Hi. Hello? Hey. Uh, I heard a rumor today uh, that the Adam Carolla show and the Tom Lyka show were being canceled. Well, there's a whole lot of uh, radio weirdness going on, as anybody uh, as anybody who follows the trades and the industry knows. So this is always what happened, uh, you know, probably a longer discussion for another time. Um, but as with everything, you know, like stations, you know, uh, stations change shows or they change formats or they change lineups. And like one day the Adam Carolla show has Danny Bonaducci and then it doesn't. And then Danny Bonaducci's on for like an hour and... First time Lycus is doing a show out of a radio station. Now he's at, I guess we're not allowed to say where, but he's at, he's at a movie studio uh, there, and then he was doing it via ISDN. So it's all very it's all very complicated. Um, so I will say this. People have asked me about this. and not going to be any immediate changes uh, you know, here, uh, you know, but uh, stay tuned for details. If, when uh, things on this station uh, you know, change or alter or whatever, uh, you know, you'll, uh, not like we're going to keep it a secret. Uh, you know, we'll just tell you. But right now, uh, for this station, there's not going to be any immediate changes. I, you know, it's not my. I can't speak about KUFO or what they're going to do with the Adam Carolla show. I know that it's on, you know, for you know, for, uh, it was on today. It's on tomorrow. Uh, beyond that, you know, you have to ask them. But uh, right now, for this station, there's no no changes in the works. Maybe you guys can be on seven hours a day now. <laughs> Good can, Lord, no. Maybe we can annoy the few people who aren't already irritated with us. All right, thank you, sir. Uh, let's see here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. How can I help you? I screwed up. I thought you. I got in my truck and heard you guys talking about movie lines, and I just assumed that you were. You assumed this was the call to action for making a scene. Yeah. All right. I'll tell you what. Here's what we're gonna do. Don't hang up. I'm gonna put you on hold. Uh, we're gonna take one other call. Then I will give the call to action for making a scene, and we will, uh, you know, we'll see what else happens with the caller bank, and then we'll pick one randomly uh, to recite the scene for, uh, you know, for the tickets to Oscar in America. It could be you. So I'm gonna put you on hold. Don't go anywhere. You stay there. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. How might I help you, sir or madam, is the case maybe? What's cracking, man? Hello, Hi, it is Keelan. Hello, How's sir. it going, guys? How are you? Sarah, David. Hello. Uh, uh, Rick, um, af- after I'm gone, I'd like, you, I'd like you to ask David Walker how he feels about being a color that no one wants. Um, moving on. Keelan's a black man. Okay. Here's the, <laughs> let me just... Yeah, cause I, if they didn't know Keelan, that would sound really bad. I was just going to say, the awkward meter just went into red there for a moment. Uh, here's, here's, here's what that's a reference to, by the way. I was trying to find a... <laughs> trying to look, we're all brothers under the skin. Am I right, people? It's awesome. Uh, no, I was trying to find a day planner as December turned into January because okay. without my day planner, I can't do anything. You're, you're done. I and, am. Yeah, and so, but the at a glance, I'm not going to uncork my whole thing about how, as the company that makes organizers and planners, they should have realized that people would want them and not run out of stock. Um, but I kept trying to like get like because the planner I was using was perfect. It was perfect. It had every. It had both hourly breakouts of my day and a to-do list and then a whole section at the bottom that was just it was a slightly different color and it was demarcated for notes 
It was wonderful. And it was, it was just the right size, big without being too big, compact without being tiny, and the, you know, the great glossy black cover. And so I went to order, wasn't in the stores, wasn't on the website, and then I find out that they've discontinued it. And so the only version of the planner that they now make that works it, at all. The dirty brown one. I kept describing it. I kept saying, what did I call I think I called it brown. And I kept saying, it's brown. And I said, you know, and my whole thing was, look, everything in your office, like, my, you know, your computer is black. My, the, both of my, uh, you know, my computer case is black. My, like, I have a shoulder back. That's black. Everything I wear is black. And then I let it by saying, Brown is a color that nobody wants. <laughs> so, and then I immediately got uh, many emails, uh, among them from Keelan, going, thanks so much, I appreciate that, I'll try not to take any personal offense. And then I had to augment the whole thing by saying, it was in fact tan, it was exactly the color of the tan M&M. That's exactly what it is. It is the color of the tan M&M, which by the way, I'm just saying that tan M&M, they did... They did eventually remove that. I like the tan M&M. It was actually my favorite. You know, me too. But I'm just saying, I'm, for what it's worth, you know, they, they don't sell that one anymore. I'm just saying. So I'm not really a fan of M&M genocide either. <laughs> well, the tan M&M was so... Well, you know, ambiguous. to be honest with you, make, make, making you feel guilty about stuff like that is, is, is the most fun of my day. So just I like watching you kind of flail around and get flustered. And I've got to tell you that uh, white liberal guilt is just one more free service offered by the Rick Emerson Show. It's awesome. Well, I, I just got uh, three... Three real quick things. Um, have you have you seen that um, the comic that the New York Post put out? Oh God, the Obama thing with the, with the yeah. dead chimp thing. Yeah, which was you know, at some point someone has to be an editor for the sake of being an editor and go, uh, no. <laughs> but they don't do that. They I mean, continues to make it out. It's like, and I don't know if everybody knows what we're talking about. So there was uh, was it the was it the New York Post? Oh yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It was yeah. the New York Post, and it was. It, it's so it's this editorial cartoon, uh, and it is a picture of presumably Chav, Travis the Chimp lying there dead, and he's full of bullet holes, and he's bleeding, and he's dead. And the cops are over him, having just shot him. And then the caption is something to the effect of, "What do you have? What is the actual caption, David Walker?" I can't see the caption from here, but it says something to the effect of. Who will write the stimulus bill now? Yeah, yeah it says they'll, they'll have to find someone else to write the next stimulus bill. And the best part is the, is the guy, the cartoonist, going like, I have no idea why anybody would find it if it, it never occurred to me. Jackass. You know, so, yeah, it's yeah. the best thing ever. But um, I, got, um, I got a package headed your way, and it's containing a nice, uh, clean, new package of Magic Shave for you to use. <laughs> It's going to be awesome. And uh, just, just for your use, there is a spatula in, included. So Magic Shave, which I, I think I accidentally called Magic Shell one time. And this is not it's the awesome. ice cream topping. This is the... Uh, this is the I put topping. it on my face, it hardens, and I can't tell it's there. <laughs> so this is... And so what is the deal that I slather? Let, this, let me ask you okay, this right now. now. This is Magic Shave. Have you ever used Magic Shave, Rick? No. Oh, he's going no. to. No, no, do not... Okay, first off, Magic Shave is, is a is a is a product preferred by men of color. Yes. Uh indeed. And it is uh you know, it's it's almost like it's the probably the equivalent of put, putting Drano on your face. <laughs> it is uh I, I used to use it because I, I couldn't shave. I had trouble shaving, you know, and it's this it's a it's a whole colored thing, you wouldn't understand. And so, you know, one of my uncles is like, You should try that magic shave, boy. <laughs> That'll work. That way. I use Magic Shave all the time. I don't get no bumps, nothing. 
And I, you know, you put the magic shave on, and I assume it's probably like Nair or something like that. But you put it on, and it's like you can smell your your both the hair burning and your flesh cooking, and you can't get it off quick enough. And then it, there's still patches of hair. Don't well, give it away. <laughs> <laughs> You're ruining the surprise. <laughs> the, the, well, because I had this whole, I mean, Sarah's with this a billion times. I just, I hate shaving. I hate it. I hate it just because it's. It's just a pain, and I'm always cutting myself, and it's and it's never and it's never quite even, and I'm always missing a place. And I've tried, you know, the blade and the different electric things, and it's just never. And so, like about twice a year, I was just like, isn't there some magical, uh, something I can do? Just and we've talked about the the uh, right here, actually, right here. I've got a bottle of Nair that somebody dropped off that I've never used. Yeah. Somebody didn't drop it off, that's mine. I'm uh, waiting for it back. <laughs> uh, well, I've, well, I've never actually used because it does it. Like, don't use anywhere near face. Keep away from head. <laughs> and so I've never actually used it. So Keelan calls up and he's like, let me tell you about Magic Shave. <laughs> but you were saying that, like, you put it on and then it somehow, like, solidifies like like magma. And then i got to, like, chisel it I, off no, my face. No, actually, it doesn't, it doesn't solidify. You, you, it tells you to wait a few minutes. And it doesn't actually harden. It, ju- it just kind of sits there and does what it does. And then uh, and you then don't want to take a, a spot. You don't want to scrape this stuff off your face. You kinda, you but that's what you're supposed it, to do. You're scrape, supposed to you're scrape it You're in a world of hurt. So, I mean, but, but uh, the directions that you are so, – let me ask you this. If I were to follow the directions of Magic Shave, mm-hmm. what would they tell me to do? <laughs> they would essentially tell you to put it on your face, wait about you know somewhere between five and eight minutes, and then just remove it with the spatula. But it will still be <laughs> soft. It will not be a hardened surface that you didn't have to hammer off of your face. <laughs> I like the idea that I'm peeling it off my face like it's some sort of weird hair care omelet or something that no, i got to do real carefully. Don't break. There's full instructions, uh, but do not uh, go watch Battlestar Galactica while this stuff is on your face. Okay. You you need to stay somewhere near a mirror and a sink. Will I? Uh, am I going to look uh, presentable Afterward, or is it going to take? Is it going to be one of those things where, like, you get it done, but then there's like a good seven, eight, nine, ten hours where you don't want to be seen by anybody because your face is all inflamed and whatnot? Mm, I, you know what? I haven't necessarily had that problem. Uh, <laughs> you need to be <laughs> relatively skilled with a spatula. I, I don't think it's that big a deal. No, you just kind of put it on, you take it off, you wash your face, and and you're pretty good to go. You know that Sarah's going to make me do this on the air, right? Which I mean, is why I'm oh. sending you a brand new package with a shiny new spatula. <laughs> you're amazing. <laughs> All right. And so right before I let you go, I sent you this yesterday, but have you seen that that clip of Paris Hilton rapping with Snoop Dogg? Uh, no, you sent it to me. I'll, I'll reload it so that we can play it. It I, is the worst. I could, you know, it was my own personal video rodeo. Is it, uh, is it clean, Sarah? Do we have to edit it down? I think it's clean. I do it? remember it, it being clean for the part that I was able to stand right. before I had to shut my browser. Well, just... Did you send that to my work email? Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Just and by the way, just you know, because one good turn deserves another. Have you seen the uh, Have you seen the Prego rap? No, I, you were talking about that yesterday. It is uh, It is an exercise video from what looks to be the late '80s. It is a room full of spandex-clad pregnant women with feathered hair and sunglasses. All of them singing. You know, they're doing the Prego rap, which is not about uh, a spaghetti sauce, as you might imagine. It is in fact about uh, being pregnant and how you can work out while you're pregnant. By the way, just a bonus. Well, it is in there. I mean, they're, they're all. I mean, that would be a shot to everybody. They're all, like, so completely off, like, the, like there's not even any semblance of rhythm. It's just, it's, it almost sounds like rapping zombies, because they're all kind of saying the same thing at the same time, but not enough to really be. And it contains phrases like pelvic floor. So, there you go. I'll send that your way. I did tell Sarah that it was, in terms of bad rap, it was the single worst thing 
I get so much worse than Jenny the Rapping Traffic Girl. It's like it is the worst bad rap I have I have ever seen in my life. Well, if you haven't seen Paris Hilton, you're in here for a treat. Nah, looking forward to it already. All right, All I'll right. catch you guys soon. Thank you, my friend. There you go. It's our friend Keelan in Las Vegas. Wow. Is it awful? Yeah, it's only 45 seconds to listen to it now. Um, have you checked? Is it clean? It's clean. It's from. I think it's from Snoop Dogg's new um, TV show. Because why not? Well, let's let's do it on the other side. Let's okay. make people wait for let's it. it. Let's let's give them the guarantees. And then huh? we're gonna play. Well, then we have to play the Prego rap. So let's do this. We'll come back. We'll do Paris Hilton. We'll do the Prego rap. Uh, and then we have uh, Jim Roop coming up as well. Jim Roop would appreciate the Prego rap. He, he really will. We'll uh, we'll talk to uh, Jim Roop from CNN. More from David Walker, Peter Carlin coming up later, and Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. All right, we will now give the call to action uh, for making a scene. And Richie, I'm looking at the phones. I'm assuming that both of these people are for making a scene here. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, we were going to give out the uh, the phone number right now. It is 503-733-2970. Uh, 503-733-2970 uh, offer grabs a pair of tickets to see Oscar Night America 2009. Uh, that is the spectacular happening this coming Sunday at Portland's Historic Hollywood Theater. It is a benefit for Film Action Oregon. It is the only sanctioned public screening in Oregon uh, by the Motion Picture Academy of Arts and Sciences, uh, hosted by Sarah Dillon, Tim Riley, and myself. Special guests Darcel and Richie Bristol as Rochelle Crystal out on the red carpet. Uh, is, uh, and the weather dude from someplace, right? Scott Hill from Cato, yeah. Sarah. He'll be there as well. So it, it's a cool event, and it's to benefit the uh, the Hollywood Theater, and I'm a big fan of that place. And the tickets are a little spendy. So uh, now more than ever, uh, it's your chance to uh, to win them. So uh, what we do with Making a Scene is it is your chance to act out uh, on the air, to recreate for us telephonically. A movie sequence, speech, or scene, and if you can do so to our satisfaction, uh, you will win those tickets. So, uh, Richie, go ahead, and if you want to screen these calls, let me know who's who, and then we will select one of them in a moment. In the meantime, in between time, once again, David Walker with the news. Well, <clears throat> I've, got, uh, I've got a triple feature of Teacher Watch. Oh, we're going to get some of those. Excellent. Here's your Teacher Watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Ladies and gentlemen, with your teacher watch, David Walker. Well, like I said, I've got a, a, a triple feature of these today, which is disturbing because much like the chimps, I think we're seeing a, a rising tide of teachers acting inappropriately. First one, a math teaching assistant was today facing jail after embarking on a string of sexual affairs with teenage schoolgirls. Notice I said string of sexual affairs with teenage schoolgirls. All of those imply plural 
more than one. By the way, it's too bad he wasn't a science teacher, because then you could say he was embarking on a super string of affairs. <laughs> a science joke for my peeps out there. Yeah. Ryan Stewart conducted his sexual affairs with the pupils on school premises and in his home in Doncaster. I don't know exactly where Doncaster is. This, this one report doesn't give us um, the exact specific location, but he was found guilty of 14 offenses in relation to five pupils. You know, you don't really think of math teachers as being overtly creepy. It's usually the guy who, uh, you know, is like the softball coach or something. Mm-hmm. Math teacher. Let's see. Doncaster has sexy math teacher. 75 teachers. One goes to prison for 12 years. How many teachers are left? <laughs> yes, he, uh, he repeatedly had sex with a 15-year-old girl and sexually abused a 14-year-old on school grounds. Next, we move to Poughkeepsie, New York. A Beacon High School teacher's assistant was charged with endangering the welfare of a child after Beacon police found her in a parked car with the 15-year-old male student, police said. Police found Sharon A. Travis, 43, and the student of Madame Brett Park in Beacon at 2.30 a.m. on a Monday. Wait, so this is 2.30 in the morning, but is it was a teacher or a teacher's assistant? Uh, a teacher's assistant, yes. Now, what is that? Is that like, is a teacher's assistant like a college kid? Like somebody who's studying to be a teacher? Not this, well, I mean, she's 43, and... Uh, <laughs> wow. Forty. So, <laughs> teacher's assistant at 43 just sounds like a whole lot of, uh, do you have any jobs that put me in contact with young nubile bodies? That'd be great. But, you know, this is, this is a lot of times when we see these stories, we, we look at the teacher and we go, well, okay, yeah, I can see being 15 and, and going, you know, woof. But, uh, no, she's, she, uh, Sharon Wait, Travis, you know, you, uh, guys look at, whenever we hear these stories and you go, about, woof? You know, woof, that's like... Uh, it's a figurative woof. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a wolf inside. That's Sarah. not a bark. Yeah, that's it's, like, like, woof. It's the woof with... Hot, yeah. As a Robert Bly would say, it's the woof within. Yeah. I don't understand these men, animal noises. No, well, well, you know, well, look, I mean, just, I think, uh, are you saying, are you saying that, I'll put it this way, and here's how I'm going to put it to distance myself from the creepy factor. <laughs> My, uh, I had a friend of mine, Tracy, this is a real person, uh, you know, Tracy, the girl who's afraid of stuffed the, animals. The stuffed heads. Yeah, yeah um. So, in the whole thing, she's a pretty taxidermy. But Tracy, you know, she made the statement one time. We were uh, we were driving somewhere, and we drove by, uh, I guess it was like Cleveland High or whatever, whatever high school is. We drove by, and it was like, you know, it was either, I guess it must have been in the afternoon, and the kids are out of school, and they're doing whatever, something. But we were driving along, and there's some high school uh, students, and she actually just completely unprompted, like unspooled this whole speech about how she feels really bad for male teachers in sort of the last 15 years or so, because everything is sort of, and I'm not one of those guys like kids today with their lack of morals and their sexting. Like, it's not that. It's just that, clo- I mean, really more than anything else, it's just fashion. Yeah. It's just that fashion and clothing styles are right now at a point where they are so unbelievably sexualized and revealing. And she's like, you know, the, and plus there's some discussion, I don't know if this is true or not, but you hear some discussion that um, chemicals and additives and antibiotics and hormones and foods have screwed around with some more funk in the trunk yeah. of those teenage well, girls. Yeah, making the, them more nubile. And puberty kicks in earlier, mm-hmm. and so whatever. And she's like, I'm so glad I'm not a male teacher who has to try not to stare at some hot girl in the front row, which I think that's where that's where you're going with Well, no, what I, where I was going, actually, is, is, is less creepy, maybe. I don't know. Um, no, I'm talking about whenever you hear the story of a female teacher who's having an affair with a male student, right, a 15, right. 16-year-old guy, and then they show the picture of the teacher, and then I look at her, and, and I'll, I'll think, well, if I was 15, yeah. Yeah, right, right. You know, like, right. but the problem with Sharon A. Travis is that I'm not looking at this picture going, yeah, if I was 15, I'd want to yeah. get with this. However. The fact that you said this, by the way, <laughs> indicates perhaps the aesthetic appeal or lack thereof. However, I could see myself uh, making a little time with Aaron, I guess it's Specker. 
34. She's out of Ripman, Ohio. Oh, actually, she's out of Orville, Ohio. Um, now, Aaron is married with two children, but that did not stop her from having sexual relationships with students. This is this is the thing that gets me. Is it's you know, it's not I mean, like the one special also, spark across the, the room. Of these two. I uh, uh, ooh hey, I like see, her. Aaron's kind of keep it. See that's no this one. this other woman looks like she just went through a car wash. <laughs> uh, this this woman here though. Uh, this uh, Aaron, yeah, Aaron Specker, I believe her name is. She's uh, she's quite something. I fancy her. But she does have a she has a look of someone who just obviously she's she's there's a bit of anger, a little bit of frustration yeah. in that picture, I think, and that's what you know. But clearly, I would say that that anger left her with. Uh, I would say that there's a hollow place inside. I would say that uh, that anger has left her with a hole, and she's trying to fill that hole. That's right. <laughs> over and over. <laughs> Because it's just not staying filled. It's like that hole, that hole in her soul. It's like she can fill that hole with something, and then later on the hole's empty again. And I've taken this as far as I possibly can. Can I see the picture of her? There you go. All right. There you go. Is that the end? Is we have a third one? That's the end of Teacher Watch. Right, there yeah. you go. There's your triple Teacher Watch for Thursday on the Rick Everson Radio Program. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's about that time once again. Uh, we will do another installment of Making a Scene. Your chance to win a pair of tickets to Oscar Night America 2009, happening uh, this Sunday at the Hollywood Theater. All right, David Walker, uh, please to select a letter from A, B, C, or D. Uh, well, that would have to be D. All right, we're going to go with D, and I have what I said, I've set these all up so they correspond to a line of the phone, so it's sort of randomized. All right, this is, uh, all right, hello, sir, uh, who might this be? This is Brian. Hello, Brian. How are you today? Hey, I'm just dandy. Thank you very much. All right. Are you prepared to make a scene for us, sir, for your chance at tickets to see Oscar Night America 2009? I absolutely am. Are you ready for something from uh, one of your favorite movies, Rick? Uh, well, I suppose. What film might this be? Uh, Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. And this is going to be clean for air, uh, stripped of all... Uh, <laughs> stripped of all uh, pro profanity, slurs, <laughs> other things socially unacceptable? Body noses, everything. No, it will be clean. All right. Uh, you ladies can remove and... your finger from the button. Ladies and gentlemen, I never remove my finger from the button, sir. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I give you uh, Brian making a scene from Blazing Saddles. Brian, make that scene. Men, you are about to embark on a great crusade to stamp out runaway decency in the West. Not only will you be risking your lives, you will, I'm sorry. Take that again. Not only you will only be risking your lives, God, my memory. Whilst I will be risking an almost certain Academy nomination for Best Supporting Actor. Now raise your right hand for the pledge. Right. Now repeat after me. I, I, your name, your name. Schmucks. Pledge allegiance. Pledge allegiance to Hedley Lamar. To Hedy Lamar. That's. Headley! That's Headley! And to the evil, and to the evil, for which he stands. For which he stands. Now go do that voodoo that you do so well! 
Oh. All right. Congratulations, sir. That is uh, oh, that is close you. enough for a victory. And I'll, I will will overlook the uh, the sort of choke right there at the beginning because oh. you came back strong at the end. Well done, Thank sir. Thank you so much. All right. You were going to Oscar Night America 2009 yeah. this Sunday at the Hollywood Theater. All right. I'll put you on hold, Rich. You'll get your info. And by the way, if you're on hold and uh, we didn't pick you up or you didn't get a chance, we're going to do this one more time before the end of the show. Uh, so uh, we will be moving on to something else at this very moment. But sometime between now and 3 o'clock, we will do one more installment of Making a Scene. Uh, your chance at uh, that pair of tickets. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Should we play this Paris Hilton rap video before we bring Dennis in? Uh, yeah, let's let's do that. So we're going to do the Paris Hilton thing. And we got actually, how long is this? Like 40, 40 seconds? 40, okay. 47 seconds. Because we got actually all three of these. So we can do actually all three of these terrible rap things back to back because they're each about 35 seconds long. Okay. And then we'll be joined by our good friend Dennis Pitzenbarger. We'll take a break, come back with Peter Carlin, more from David Walker, and so forth. So let's start with the newest one. So this is this is Paris Hilton rapping with, with Snoop. And Snoop Dogg. So he's sitting at one table like this, and, you know, like with his hands crossed in front of her. She's leaning over like the slut she is, and she's like, and he's just like asking her to rap for him. And so this is, now do we know, was it Keelan who said that this is from his new record? Who said that? It was somebody who said I know this is that. from, I know that uh, Snoop Dogg has a new TV show on right. MTV, so I'm pretty okay. sure that this is from it. I think it's like some kind of like like grooming school. Or so is a grooming school. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this is uh. So this is taken from the TV show. In other words, it's not like a, from a music video or anything. Yeah, I believe so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the next sound you hear will be, I swear to God, Snoop rapping with Paris Hilton. You know what I really want to do? Hold oh, on. I want to freestyle with you. All right. We it off. I'm gonna get the end. All right. Yo, what's up? My name's T. Hizzle. I'm chilling in the Glizzle with my homeboy, Steve Dizzle. He's sexy, he's fine. He is the man of our time. Yeah. I love him. I love him in the club. I'm serving drinks. And I'm a thug. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet pea. Oh, wait. Do it to him, dog, after dark, baby girl. Don't stop, won't stop, can't stop. Look in your eyes, look in my eyes, no surprise. Sweet P in the D-O-double-G-Y. Wow. Yeah. I, just, I, I did. I just threw up. I just threw up in my mouth. And by the way, can we... Uh, can we all just say that it, didn't yesterday we what was that word we had yesterday? It was the uh Twanel. Was that the was that the, the girl's name yesterday? Yeah, Twanel. And we didn't know anything or about Twanette, her. Maybe? Twanette, Twanette. Twanette. That's what it was. Twanette. Her name was like it was some hillbilly, you know, some, some like some like Hayseed who got busted for doing something rather than we were talking. Twanel, you get back in the house. And they say Twanel sounded really Twanel just sounded really uh, sort of vile for reasons that I, I couldn't quite uh, explicate. I would say that if you are Chilling in the Clizzle. <laughs> we can add that to the list of things that might sound, uh, you know, saucy in the right or wrong context. Yeah, Clizzle didn't seem like the right way to go with club. No. Yeah, no. that sounds... It sounds yeah, like a cleaning I... product. Uh, moving well, on. Paris is very excited. That, no, that doesn't just... even mean anything. It's a nonsense word. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's one step too far <laughs> in the context department. Uh, okay, the next sound you hear will be the Prego rap. And this is from, I think, about 1989, and I'm basing that uh, solely on just the fashion here. And I'm going to put this on my webpage later on. Uh, so this, I apologize for the way this happened. Now, the, the actual recording is fairly clear. It's just that it's a bunch of women all kind of pseudo-rapping together at the same time while working out, and they're not really, like, the rhythm is not all that accurate. I mean, I don't, Rhythm is not a dancer. <laughs> I know. The rhythm isn't anything in this. 
So it's about 45 seconds long. All you need to know is it's a bunch of pregnant women in really, really bad spandex rapping about working out during their pregnancy, and it contains phrases like Kegel exercises and pelvic floor uh, doing the prego rap. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the worst thing I've ever heard. Now, see, right there, you just missed a little golden moment because it's Mama's Get On Down to the Prego Shuffle, right there. Mama's Get On Down. And they're all in, like, bad Ray-Bans. Now, before you continue, make sure that you can carry on a normal conversation without getting winded. This is our last aerobic... And so there you go. Who rhymes bagel with kegel, by the way? All right. Um, Bingo rappers. Yeah. Are we uh, taking a uh, taking a break here? Oh, do we have car- if, if we're in? Is we have Dennis Pitsenbarger in yeah, the uh, in the house? All right, uh, ladies the, and gentlemen. Uh, we. Will- I'm not gonna say. Okay, can you? Uh, <laughs> Richie Bristol, can you welcome uh, can you welcome Dennis Pitsenbarger in here to the uh, to the studio? That would be fantastic. All right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Coming up in the next hour, Peter Carlin will be here from the uh, Oregonian. We'll have more news of David Walker. Uh, we will have uh, our final installment of uh, Making a Scene. And we'll do the uh, top five as well. Heard every uh, Saturday on this very fine radio station from 9 a.m. to noon, as well as uh, seen in 1.9 million households on Comcast uh, Sports. Our good friend Dennis Pitchenbarger from Miles Around. Hello, sir. How are you doing? I am fantastic. How are you, brother? Uh, I'm excellent. I'm, uh, as always, up in uh, up in arms about things that uh, Tricky Teddy K and uh, our have all the hot gay sex you want mayor wants to uh, talk about. But they're, I'm up in arms about one of Let's the... Let's stop right now, because this is the part of the program where I say that I... I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, I'm sorry. It was like three I syllables in. I heard but that was it. Well, P.S. Uh, side note, I dig your facial hair. Oh, thank you. That I'm looking very scruff. He's got the gray, though. You see what I mean? The gray works if you let it come in naturally. Uh, well, unfortunately, more of it's coming in naturally than I would have no, ever thought. No, here's the thing. Chicks dig that, I think. I mean, it's not like you want to go gray prematurely, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, a, a turnoff for chicks. I think, I think they're into it. I, I wonder, because my wife always waits for when she can ask me, is it itching yet? Because she knows once it itches, then it's gone. That's the, <laughs> the difference. I, I meant my You dinner. know, that phrase really is, <laughs> that phrase will get you through so many situations in life. Is it itching yet? No, if it's itching, it's gone. You want to, uh, doesn't matter. I mean, here, the clinic, leper colony, that's a, that's a phrase that has myriad applications. It so. uh, definitely runs the gamut uh, of the spectrum. What is, uh, what is coming up on the, uh, the three hour cavalcade? Uh, well, we got a couple of really cool specials as far as cars. I'm going to get to test a Lamborghini, uh, LP560 4 which is an incredible sports sedan that's worth, or a sport car that's worth about, Two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I've got a couple other things, but the the big deal is what I was talking about. It's uh, it's our governor and uh, our mayor trying to pass HB twenty one eighty six. It's a it's a farce put under the the, the sheep's clothing that 
they're trying to ban uh, performance parts. And, you know, I, I'm a big performance guy. I'm the guy that loves to go fast and horsepower junkies. But I'm also an advocate of, you know, all the alternative fuels and replenishing things, you know, or at least replenishing some cars on the road with alternative forms of transportation. So for me, 2186 is this thing that they're trying to mask and kind of slide under the carpet of the voters that people who want to, you know, perform performance enhancing things to their car are not going to be able to do this, and they're trying to guise it under this thing about tires. Well, like a, like a perform- Well, let me ask you this, because I, I know so little about cars, and basically it all just comes from bad Stephen J. Cannell TV series. So <laughs> when you say performance-enhancing thing, here's what I, as just like a non-car guy, here's what I think of. I think of two things. One is like whatever that weird, that weird thing is on the hood of a car that it almost looks like Wally's head and it's like sticking up and putting. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a, it's like a well, weird square well, it's thing. Like a, it's a, it's it's well. Some people call it a bird catcher. It's like the thing I got tattooed up on my shoulder up here. It's it sure. <laughs> when I was giving you a hot oil massage the other night, I remember seeing that and thinking, Oh my God, it's Wally's head on your shoulder. Well, that's where you connect A and B with the if it scratches. No, if it's itchy. No, anyway. But so, so I think of that, and then I think of this episode of Chips where a guy put these huge, I mean like comically large uh, canisters of nitrous oxide in his trunk, but then he shot himself off a cliff, and so it all ended well. It, but I, but I don't really know what that means in, in the real world. It doesn't seem like a Lamborghini needs much enhancing. Well, no. I mean, I'm just talking if, if a guy wants to buy an average car. I mean, if a guy owns uh, – do you still got the Focus? I do indeed. Okay, so there's a lot – a Focus is a, a vehicle that a lot of people – and there's a lot of money spent by Ford to develop performance parts to it. It's intake manifolds. It's exhaust. It's uh, – um, you know, uh, camshafts, all these different parts that you can put on the engine to make it go faster. This is just so I can. This is just so I can Tokyo drift with Vin Diesel, isn't it? If you want to. And the fourth one, well, I like I, the fourth one looks good to me. I hate to admit it, but mm-hmm. you know, the the thing about it is those things. A lot of the times, people don't understand that those actually increase the efficiency of a motor. It makes it burn whatever fuel air mixture you're putting into the motor more efficiently, so you're less emissions. But yet they're trying to guise this all against where if somebody wants to put big meaty tires on their truck, uh, they they can't because now you know uh, Tricky Ted and you know Slippery Sam want to put this thing under Slippery. our uh, you know un- that's what I'm going to call them. They want to put this under everybody's noses when they're not looking and make it so everybody has to buy tires. Are we still talking them. about cars? Yes, we are. I'm sorry. I hey, Slippery Sam, hot gay Sam. That's hot gay Sam. What's hot he putting? Gay. Hot gay. And what's Slippery he Sam. putting under your nose? Well, uh, hopefully not. Well, right Light now I know what it I don't understand. It feels like he's trying to put under my nose, but I'm just not very. I'm. It's just one of those things that if you're any kind of performance oriented person in the car world, it's it's something that I wish every voter would look at. I know you always kind of blow you away. Tell like me I bullet usually, points. Wait. So slippery Sam. Slippery trying Sam. Trying to put something in your nose. I don't know what that. Okay, what there's is tricky it? Teddy. That's her. So what are they trying to sneak sneak by? Well, they're trying to sneak this bill no. by everyone's. I mean, nose by everyone's nose. It's the bill. It's called HB 2186, and they've proposed it. And what it is is it's a bill that's guys under that if you need new tires on your car, you're going to have to buy the original equipment tires to to increase rolling resistance or whether the cars have a certain rolling resistance. Well, you go about 12 paragraphs deep into this, and it says that if myself as a performance junkie car guy, and that's why I do my show. That if I want to put an intake and a, you know, a, a fresh air induction on my car. What's, what's normal things? Like, what's, an, what's something I would understand? We're now going to cut to the inside of Sarah's head. Did I leave the iron on? <laughs> I wonder well, if, if I had one, I'd be worrying. If you wanted to make your car go faster, uh-huh. and you wanted to go to an auto parts store and buy the things that make your car go faster, or I think that the better explanation is to make it run more efficiently, 
then they're not going to let you do that. And it's going to put huge companies out of business. It's going to it's it's no different than what they're doing with the diesels, uh, with importing heavy duty diesels. In so the like I couldn't go to Shucks or something. You're, well, places like Baxter Auto Parts that sells a lot of performance parts are going to have half of their industry ripped out from underneath them. And can I, I just say this. Here's the thing. And, and really, this is not, not an insult. It may sound like it's not. When you come out, and, like, you, the first thing out of your mouth is, let's talk about House Bill 2154. It's like that episode of Futurama where Nibbler suddenly just started speaking with the voice of James Earl Jones or whatever. You know, because Nibbler is normally just this thing that, like, poops all the time and, like, eats cows in a hole. And then, you know, she's like, oh, Nibbler, you know, I am Nibbler of the Nibblonians, trapped here on this accursed planet. You know, by you know, to which I arrived by means of interstellar travel, and it's like that's really when you when this whole thing in the economy shifted and you started talking about politics, to use the Mad Men reference, it really is like dogs playing the piano. It just freaks me out sometimes. I'm I sorry. Say. Would you would you prefer I talked about boobs and screamed into the microphone? No, I kind of did that earlier. So, uh, all right, well, we're we're kind of under the gun schedule wise, but that is coming up uh, on uh, on the uh, the show this Saturday right here on this uh, radio station, nine to noon, and then. And then, he is, and then the TV show is... Uh, uh, Comcast Sportsnet Network all over the Pacific Northwest. It's 37 in the city of Portland. And uh, I guess, uh, as I say to every time I meet uh, fellow, uh, I guess, retirees or whatever we call ourselves over the Lambert Week, uh, it's one more person I have to apologize for not realizing all of my Republican-viewed uh, mistakes from the years <laughs> gone by. So, David Walker, as we did work together, much like uh, our other good friend from the Willamette, or uh, former, formerly from the Willamette Week, I have to say again, I'm sorry for being that one guy that stood over there and laughed at all of the Democrats, realizing that really just all those things just screwed the earth up. <laughs> good for you, Dennis Pitts. I'm sorry. I'm repenting. Dennis, Dennis, Dennis is, is the embodiment of how much a person can change and grow over the I was going to so. say, are you? is this the making amends step? <laughs> well, I, 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 never had, I never had a problem with Dennis. I just would just go... You know, it's good to have a guy like him in the office because he keeps everybody else in check, and and everybody would freak out. They would go, "God, that Dennis, he's just so he's so Republican," and it was like like it was like he had a disease or something. And I was just like, "Yeah." He listens to the Grateful Dead. He can't be that Republican. Well, he's got a huge pot leaf tattoo. Not anymore. Yeah. Oh, not, not anymore. anymore. Oh, not anymore. Yeah, he covered it up. Still there. Oh, yeah. It will it's, always I will be never there, be able to live that down. Or Byron bringing up uh, other things I've done in my life. So. Oh, you said that you couldn't. You wouldn't talk about it. I'm not going to talk you about bastard. it. You We're waiting till after. Well, off, we'll wait till break. I'll tell you what's going on after break. But no. I Are you going to, to talk about it okay, sometime? Everybody, okay, everybody, stop right now because there's no fair on the audience. I will say this. Just so everybody's on the same page. And then we're breaking, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Byron Beck told us something about Dennis that neither Sarah or I knew and that we never, ever, 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 ever would have guessed. And Dennis immediately said, that is not for air. I forbid you to talk about it, which we respect. And it's just been killing us. And it doesn't help, by the way, when you, you jackass, come in and sort of poke at us with a stick by bringing it up knowing we can't talk about it. He said that if, if he ever brought it up that we could talk about it. Now I have to apologize to the audience for them feeling left out. I'm sorry, Rick Emerson audience. I'm All just right. that guy. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy. It's 503-733-2970. By the way, speaking of the, the hot uh, teacher sex that was going on earlier, you know what I haven't even gotten to today? Our good friend Susan Reynolds brought this in. This is the Westview High School newspaper called The Prowl. And The Prowl, which is a 
a sort of oddly appropriate name, uh, given the cover stories here. This is the newest edition of the Westview High Prowl. The two front page stories right next to each other. Inappropriate sexual contact at school surprises population. Uh, and then uh, right next to that, ticket sales drop. This is at the, uh, the upcoming dance. Ticket sales drop due to tighter dance restrictions. So we'll read these. They're just the most fat. She came in. This is that's why we love Susan, because she came into my office and she goes, have I got show content for you? And she put it down on the desk and she said, just look for the quotes in here. And I'll just read one, one little poll quote. This is from the inappropriate sexual contact at school surprises population. This is from the Westview High Prowl. Logan Davis, sophomore, says, when we practice soccer by the dugouts, we just find used condoms all over the place. So there you go. Fantastic. Your tax dollars at work, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Dennis Pittsburgh, thank you so much. Saturday, 9 to noon. And uh, Sunday, uh, Comcast Sportsnet all over the Pacific Northwest, 37 right here in town. Thanks for letting me come by and spend some uh, some time with you guys. And again, uh, David Walker for being yet another person that has, has worked at Willamette Week. Oh, yeah. We're all in this together. All right. <laughs> See you later. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. With a heart full of hate and a head full of tasty nougat, it is uh, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. By the way, I've decided that your new title is uh, Culture Czar. I like that. There you go. So that's going to be your... Uh, I was either going to go with that or Portland Cultural Attaché. <laughs> but I've decided that Culture Czar... It has a nice kind of flow to it. I like it. So. I like Czar. Yeah, I do. But is it Czar with a CZ or is it Czar with a TS? Well, see, it's CZ because that's the way... Well, a, because it looks cooler. Yeah. And also because... Is the TS, is that like it like Cyrillic or something? Uh, crap, man. I don't know. You just you just bankrupted my knowledge. All right. Well, it's uh. You know, look. Here's the thing. If I don't know and you don't know, then nobody else knows. So we're just gonna plunge on ahead like it's correct. Exactly. In any event. All right. Let's talk about last night's episode of Lost. I think uh, you probably can weigh in in great detail about <laughs> last night's episode of Lost. I'm so excited to discuss it with him, especially since we teased it yesterday. And in fact, we've been talking about all day how you know. Peter's a fantastic TV reviewer. And given the fact that Peter and I talked on the phone at some length last week about how uh, this week it would be great to have him on Thursday so he could talk about the previous night's episode of Lost with great specificity and detail. Or do you have the music queued up so that we can talk about it? Yeah, let me get the Lost music ready here, Peter. Team uh, that you specially made for Peter and I to talk about? You know, about. I did create a music bed just for this Lost discussion, Peter, so feel free to start those observations whenever you'd like. Okay. And here we go. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you the... Uh, all right, Peter. Your thoughts on last night's Lost? Well, you know, um, I actually was um, off the island last night. Oh, yeah? Oh, are you talking about like when all the people were off the island and they're trying to bring them all back to the island? Yeah, I was the seventh guy that was off the island and they couldn't find me because I was off at this Todd Snyder concert at the Aladdin, so I couldn't uh, watch. But I have it all queued up on my TiVo. But we can talk about the season um uh, as a whole, I mean, because I think it's sort of interesting, and I think that there's been a lot of, and I don't know where you stand on this, Sarah X. Dillon, but um, but there's been so much, a certain amount of, of complaining about how, like, wildly, wild and crazy their, their sort of sci-fi-driven plot has been this season. You know what it is? This is like, David Walker, I think you'll hear me on this when I say that, this is sort of like, uh, you know, you, you go to the girl's house and, you know, and, and whatever, and, uh, you know, and you've, uh, you've, you've, brought, you've brought cure disintegration on CD with you, uh, <laughs> and then instead it's a lot of blah, 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 so, you know, if you don't mind, we, we could just hold each other tonight. I mean, yeah. if, if we can, you know, and we can come over next week. I don't even get that. I get this. So, we're just friends, right? <laughs> I don't even get the holding part. Right now, yeah, the, Peter, right now, Peter is answering the door and saying, ooh, my mother's in town, but, yeah. uh... Well, I'll call you. 
Yeah, I'll call you and just, no, 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 I just changed. I don't have a phone right now, but I'll, uh, oh, goodbye, gotta go. So, uh, well, here, let me just ask you this before we plunge headlong into this. I think I mentioned this to you last week that we've had to start doing this thing. It's, it was lost in 90 seconds, and now it's lost in 408, I believe is what it is, which is, I guess, based on the series of numbers on the show. Because what we discovered is that there was no middle ground on this. Like, we can discuss shows that people don't watch, like uh, like if somebody's not watching Battlestar right. or, or The Shield. And, you know, maybe they'll go, like, oh, it's kind of uninteresting or whatever. Then I do it. But they don't get actively angry about it. Who gets Only, angry about what? I will tell you the answer to that. There's only two shows that we have discussed on this program that have ever elicited such a polarizing, uh, you know, polarized response. Those shows are Lost and American Idol. Really? Because we don't watch American Idol, but there was this time a couple years ago where everybody in the country, it seems like, was watching it. And I felt this obligation to say, like, well, okay, we should all watch it and then talk about it the next day just to see if somehow we're missing out on, like, I don't want to be, you know, out-hip myself where I'm not watching something and just to be a jackass or whatever. And... So we watched American Idol. We came on the show the next day, and we actually just gave our thoughts on it. And immediately, there were only two camps. It was like, you should do this all the time, and the, I will never listen to your show again if you talk about American Idol anymore. And Lost has the same thing, where just people who don't watch Lost, just it, it seems like they, they do everything but storm the studio with pitchforks when wow. we bring it up. See, I would understand why people would get like bent out of shape about Idol, because that's such a you know, commercial-driven enterprise. And it's the sort of thing where either you really, really love it or you just absolutely despise it. Like, I could kind of get that because, you know, like a whole lot of people like straightforward pop mainstream music, but the people who don't like it really hate it. And so, I mean, and I kind of get that about Idol. And, um, you know, and they're mean and homophobic and, and, and it's it's like all the cool kids in school perpetually ganging up on on the slightly less cool kids like that's what that show's about only like in a musical sense but whereas lost i just sort of feel like if people aren't into it then they would just ignore it i can't understand getting like 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 seriously tweaked about it i don't but i will tell you that it does so we do these lost recaps in the first hour of of thursday show every week and they start to sound like a weird kind of beat poetry mm. you know what i mean like it's sort of like jj abrams does howl uh, or something where it's you know Moloch, the creator of the smoke monster, you know, or what? And you, and you know, and, and you're just sort of listening to this. There was some phrase that Sarah used today. She's like, you were talking about something, something, chasing somebody with a gun, or some, some such, and then it's like, and then suddenly Jin is driving around in a Volkswagen microbus in 1970. And it's like, and sorry, I sorry, Peter Carlin, that was a spoiler. No, what if it's a bit, that, <laughs> but that was my thing. Is like the show is fundamentally unspoilable because what you because really it's like that Winchester Mystery House where you open a door and it's just another door. Like there, you can't spoil Lost. Well, because nothing is ever resolved. Like the, those spoilers are not spoilers. The spoil. It's like when you open. You know what it is? It's like when you open a. Uh, it's like in the, the 1977 when you would get one of those Kenner Star Wars action figures, oh. except that they sold more than they had, and so you'd open the box, and inside would just be a certificate saying, you can redeem this in three months when we've made them. I mean, that's what Lost is, right? Well, no, but see, but the thing is, is that um, I think you're underselling the intrigue and the, or, or, or you're failing to understand how intriguing <laughs> and how, in, in many ways, um, I feel like the journey through this this little weird world they've created is going to be way more interesting than when we finally get to the destination and we figure out exactly what's what this what this is all about assuming that it it it, it ends in some sort of conclusive way because for me it's like i don't i'm not so hung up on the dynamics of of what the island is or how it works 
I like it as a vehicle, as a place where they get into, I mean, and they've done this way less this season because this season is about furthering the plot. And don't get me wrong, I'm all on board the furtherance of the plot, and I'm enjoying every second of it. But part of the reason why I think it, even this season, this plot-driven season works, is because they've invested so much time and energy in sort of in creating these characters and, and really using this bizarre kind of, you know, spiritual realm to, to get into, you know, their hearts and souls. And that's why the show works for me. It's not necessary, because like I'm not like a sci-fi guy. Like, I don't, that kind of stuff doesn't appeal to me that much. Um, but I do like this kind of psychological mystery and, and getting into the hearts of these, of these very sort of in, in twisted and, and unhappy people. Let me ask you this right now. Let me just, uh, this is for you and Sarah both. Okay. If, if the show doesn't wrap up in any kind of conclusive way, like in other words, if it just ends where it's just sort of, and then some things happen. Like Goodbye. Audrey's trapped in the bank when it explodes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if it just sort of ends, in other words, if it ended in, in some way that just left everything sort of up in the air and resolved, I mean, I mean, how big of, I mean, how let down would you be? In Not other, at all. In the same way that like I was thrilled with the way The Sopranos ended, which was completely unresolved, because the whole point of that show of the Sopranos was that certain things are never resolved. And that was, you know, like people just never get beyond their, you know, fundamental kind of primal problems. And, and in the same way, Lost is, is telling another version of that same kind of story, which I think is a very realistic story about human psychology. Well, I think it's interesting, too, because it's not necessarily with Lost or watching. It's not, about, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, you know, because it's just a fun show to watch. And every week there's something new happening. So, I mean, it really doesn't feel like it's building towards some final epic point. It's just well, it's like this, this puzzle that you're trying to undo a little bit. Well, yeah, and what I love about it is that, that no matter how wild it gets, and it gets pretty wild. It's not like that David Lynch kind of wild where you feel, where you really feel like he was making it, you know, like when we're talking about Twin Peaks and he was making it up as he went along and clearly got lost after about eight or nine weeks. Had no clue. Once they got all the balls in motion, they had no idea how or where they were going to come down. Whereas with this show, one of the things that's intriguing about it is that you can, stuff is happening like, and possibly last night, though I didn't see it yet, um, Stuff will happen this season that was set up by little references in the first couple episodes. That's what was getting, yeah, tonight's episode is especially like that. I think it has a lot of references, and you're going to have to try and think back to, like, you know, like a 30-second snippet of, like, you know, one episode in the second season right. that didn't seem, you know, very important at the time. But this, this episode that you're going to watch today is actually, it's, it's very good. I was really impressed. And just to sort of bring everything sort of to a wrap-up here, so have they said, and maybe they, maybe you're some of this, but when, when the whole thing ends? Yeah, it, this, is, this is the next to last season, so it will all end in next. the spring of... 2010. All right. Well, yeah, presuming so that six seasons. Presuming they don't like stretch it out. They don't well, have milking written, thing. They've, they've written the entire thing. Like they know how it's going to end. Oh, they knew how Battlestar was going to end too. That just didn't stop them from cutting off halfway through the season and saying, <laughs> "And we'll wait six months to show you the back half." So, which by the way is just never worth it. The build-up is never worth the payoff there, or vice versa. Anyway. Well, my advice always is just. Think about other stuff during the ensuing six months and get back to it when they're ready for you to get back to it. That's, that's crazy talk, Peter Carlin. Is that your Facebook status? Peter Carlin is thinking about other stuff while waiting for stuff to happen. 
That's right. my whole, you just described my whole life. Life is what's busy while you're uh, life is what happens while you're busy busy waiting for lost to oh. resume. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, on that note, we're uh, it running somewhat behind today, so yeah. we have to skedaddle, Peter Carlin. But I uh, I've enjoyed our talk, and uh, I look looking forward, forward to talking to you about Lost next week, Peter. Yeah, I'll, I'll have watched it at that point. Uh-huh. All right. If, uh, if we're lucky. Peter Carlin is lying to Sarah Dillon about his plans to watch Lost. <laughs> All right. Peter Carlin, culture czar of the Oregonian. Thank you, sir. Talk to you later. There right, you go. Peter Carlin. I'm trying to look at Peter Carlin's Facebook right now, but of course, I want to see his actual status. Uh, well, let's do this. We'll do our Facebook poetry. We'll take a break. Uh, on the uh, back half of this hour, we'll have more news from Dave Walker. We'll do the top five with Adam Thompson and Krista Bowie from Musicology. And we'll give away our final pair of tickets today for uh, Oscar Night America 2009 with another installment of Making a Scene. So that is, uh, that is coming up uh, all in the next action-packed 35 minutes, ladies and gentlemen. All right, without further ado, it's time for another installment of Facebook Poetry. Christopher is LOLing. Hannah wants me to let Phil know that every time he comes over, he gets some candy. That Phil sure does like candy. Christy is ready for a challenge. Troy would like to thank the a-hole who broke out his passenger side window and stole $10 worth of crap. You rock. Amber. Eggs. Love. Asparagus. Love. Butter. Love. Garlics. Love. Peppers. Chris thinks KP talks too much. David hasn't heard anyone threaten to move to Canada in months. Jessica hurt someone's feelers and feels pretty bad about it. Kyle is milking the clock for every dollar. Terry is going to lose 10 pounds before summer. Goodbye sodas and mochas. Hello treadmill and pilates. Becky wishes her parents didn't have so many goddamned kids. Tara is going to play three songs by Cake to kick off the 90s at noon. Amy is ready to go back to bed. Dawn believes that lunch is her favorite meal of the day. Tilly is trying to push herself out the door. Jen is still reeling from the David Byrne concert last night. Kalorn just learned that extreme sleep deprivation somehow gives her the magical ability to negotiate contracts like Gordon effing Gecko. Stephanie is saying, FTS, just thought I'd bring it back. John is working in his new silk robe that his wife bought for him. Oh, the perks of working at home. Patrick feels surprisingly well, considering. Melanie is absorbing the Jacobs Public Radio Tech Survey presentation. 
Sell your satellite radio stock. Tara is prepping for her show. There you go. There's your uh, Facebook status poetry for uh, for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. All right. Should we take a break here? Who wants to break? Rick Emerson is breaking. Right. Back after this with the top five, courtesy of Adam Thompson and Kristen Bowie from Musicology, heard Sunday 7 to 9 right here on this very fine radio station. After that, more news of David Walker and Making a Scene, your final chance today to win a pair of tickets to Oscar Night America 2009. Stay there. Here's Megadeth. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Aaron Geek in the city, Duran. Uh, also our friend Thomas the Tech Man stopping by the studio tomorrow. I guess... Oh, he's coming to town for the booyahs. He will be here, yeah. I hate that word so much. I love them, but... Thank you for saying it. No problem. I was, I was trying to make that one of those, uh, you know who you are things. I know that it's a reference to Arrested Development, I guess. I guess that's where it's from. But it's like because of the Booyah thing, I always just think of Jim Cramer. And so whenever they're like the Booyah Awards, I just picture like, I picture like a sweaty, like Hector Elizondo uh, looking guy, like hitting a gong or something and going, you got to sell if you own Pfizer stock. Booyah. Mm-hmm. Like that's the, it's, so it's just, uh, it causes me a little bit of uh, agita. Hey, behind the scenes, where am I finding these MP3s? Uh, they are in the V drive and the mm. folder, I believe, is called Adam T. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So in the V drive, Adam T. Here's the name of that folder. That's where uh, that's where Adam's top fives are. In worst case scenario, he can go over and, and kind of kind of point them out. I got the honorable mention here. All right. In just moments, we're going to begin today's top five uh, from Adam Thompson, Kristen Bowie, Musicology, Sunday seven to nine, um, and we will uh, be following that up uh, with your final chance to win a pair of tickets to Oscar Night America 2009 with making a scene. And we'll have uh, some news with David Walker as well. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three. 2970, and don't forget, if you have not registered for the AM970 listener bailout, you got to be doing that as well, because we are giving away, I think we're doing a supplemental giveaway to an involuntarily unemployed listener this week as well. So that's, that is all uh, looming out there like a big looming thing. This, however, is your top five, ladies and gentlemen, for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Wonderful counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you have uh, listened to Musicology Sunday night, 7 to 9, you have heard uh, the following two voices Adam Thompson, Kristen Bowie. We'll be back for another show uh, this Sunday night. It will be preceded by a, a very special AZ. We're going to be doing back-to-back episodes of AZ, by the way, this Sunday as part of CBS Radio Theater. We're going to be encoring uh, episode two, I believe, the last broadcaster 
because it will be then be followed by a brand new episode, which in sort of in-universe time takes place immediately afterwards. So it's kind of a cool sort of, uh, you know, something new, something blue, something dead, whatever. So that's this Sunday, 6 to 7, followed by Musicology 7 to 9. Kristen Bowie, Adam Thompson, hello there. Yeah. How are you? All right. Great. So you have prepared a top five for us. What is the theme of this top five? Well, Rick, we're pushing the boundaries of good taste here with the top five songs to inflict carnage to. What does that mean? Well, that could either mean sitting on your... uh, destroy stuff, too. Yeah, you could be sitting on your Lazy Boy playing the old Xbox, or you could be uh, out in the real world. So this is if uh, one is inflicting damage, doom, violence, carnage, death, destruction, whatever. This might be the thing that accompanies you. Yeah, a good song basically to whoop some ass to. All right. Yeah, excellent. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we have the top five songs to which one might inflict carnage. Uh, Take it away with the honorable mention. Kristen? The honorable mention is Queen Don't Stop Me Now. Perfectly appropriate. Because, no, okay, so I see that look that you're giving me. I'm just curious. I'm not skeptical. I'm. This is when, like, the big explosions start happening. I imagine sitting, you know, not saying that this is going to happen, but I imagine sitting on the West Hills watching, you know, the horizon just kind of start going off with random. So, so if this is, if there was some sort of, uh, let's say, a, a, an incident, a nuclear apocalypse. Indeed. This yep. might be the song playing as the wave of destruction slowly yes, approaches. Yes, exactly. And it dances. Yes, it dances. Kind of, it's the gayest apocalypse <laughs> ever. Buoyantly. <laughs> I should say, actually, just full disclosure, this song is weirding me out because for some reason I had a dream about Freddie Mercury last night. I don't really know why. So I had a dream about Seth Rogen last night. I don't usually I'm have, like, particularly random. Nope. I, seriously, I have no idea. I haven't seen him in a movie for a what while. What were you guys doing? Was it something sexy? Really? (laughs) Okay, that you win. I don't know. It was weird. I was just sitting at a coffee shop. I remember looking at my phone and it was like, it was Seth in my phone. You probably know more than anybody else about this. Then what would a date with Seth Rogen be like? We didn't actually, uh, we weren't able to go on the date. Like, we were supposed to meet up, but. There uh, were plans. There were plans. We were at some, like, like, carnival or something. He got baked and forgot, right? (laughs) That could be. I remember actually thinking about him, like, oh, God, he smokes a lot of weed. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be really. His breath sank. No, Freddie Mercury and I were just sitting at a coffee shop, and it looked actually a lot like Diner, the Barry Levinson film. And we were just sort of sitting there, and it was like a King of the Hill moment where he's sitting on one side of the table, and I'm sitting on the other. And I'm not weirded out by the fact that it's Freddie Mercury, because in the dream it makes sense. And then we're both kind of drinking coffee, and then occasionally we'd look out the window, and we'd go, uh-huh. And then he'd go, yep. Freddie Mercury, a man who can pull off a mustache. There you go. Totally. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet he pulled a few mustaches off a few dudes in his day. Unintentionally or intentionally. You ever try to pull a mustache off? So, Kristen, more about this Queen song. So you feel this would then be a sort of a jaunty, yes. jocular soundtrack well, to destruction. I mean, it's hard for me to put Queen as any honorable mention because, I mean, Jesus, they're Queen. Totally. Come on now. No. But I'm with you. at the same time, in this particular top five, it had to be honorable mention just because of the setup and the way that the song was structured. Right. So because enough. very flamboyant and out there. Adam, number five. Number five. Okay, Kristen, no offense, but enough child's play. Let's get to the killing tunes. This is some NWA, Rick. This is 100 miles and running. And you got to keep in mind that after the carnage is done and the blood and brains have splattered, you're going to have to make an escape. And what better song to haul ass to than this, Rick? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
Can I get a concurrence from anyone? I'm just wondering if this is like a clean version it you is. put in. I made sure it was clean. I'm a I double checked it. <laughs> as soon as I hear NWA, yeah. I get that little red light that goes off in the back of my head, like, danger, Will Robinson, yeah, and everyone. Definitely. Now, we're professional operation here, Rick. I would never play the uh, unedited. It's sort of... And I would never let him attempt to play an unedited without checking it. I have to say, it's, it's kind of strange that you don't hear more uh, hip-hop from this era showing up in movies that have a little bit of an apocalyptic edge yeah. to them. Yeah. Because it's just... It, is a, sort of aggressive in a way that I think some the later evolutions were not. It's bleak, too. Yeah. I mean, very bleak. I mean, at the same time, that's kind of the age group that they're going after with these movies at this point, too. So, are people who grew up with this. All right. So, I would definitely unload a piece on a crowd of people indiscriminately to this song. Word. Excellent. Word. You know, that's going in a file at the HR office right now. Yeah, I know. We're healthy people. I'm digging my own grave, I know. But whatever. I got to like the NWA, man. Straight out of Compton. He, he didn't seem like a quiet man at all. In fact, he often created lists of people that he was going to kill in a gruesome fashion. Mm. All right, top five songs to which you would accompany Carnage from Kristen Bowie and Adam Thompson. Kristen? Number three, I go walking after midnight, Patsy Cline. Hmm. Yeah. I used to play I used to play the song when I would play Dune. So, it's Jackson. This is a very odd list. I... I'm sorry. No, okay, so you get, you get God mode on Dune. <laughs> Shut up, Adam. I see that look on your face. So, you go, you get God mo- mode on Doom, and then you take the plasma gun, and you go after the aliens, which is kind of the cadence of the song. It really, it goes along well. So this is, this is when you've been made impervious in a first-person shooter like Doom, and so there is no threat to you personally, which means you can breathe a little, mm-hmm. take your time. And, and there's a certain amount of irony listening to a Patsy Cline song while you're destroying aliens. So. I can see that. That might be sort of a... Sort of a salve, uh, a musical salve. <laughs> this is like that it's thing you sent me. Effect, you know? Was it you that sent me the mod of Doom where it was like a Rickroll Doom where you would like, like yes. the zombie would approach and you would point your boombox at them and you would play Rick Astley and then they would explode? How great was that? That was pretty the fantastic. Best thing ever. No, I'd, I'd spend many hours playing that. Excellent. Uh, next, and that was actually number four. Adam, number three? Number three. Let's speed things up a bit. I'm going to play some Ween. Because Ween is a little too absent from the airwaves of CBS, if you know what I'm saying. I was just thinking that. This song's the first one off the record, Quebec. It's going to be a long night. And you can hear it. It's fast. It's hard. And uh, it's kind of a Ween's little uh, homage to Motorhead, if I must say. And something fast and hard is what I want to hear when I'm uh, ending lives. Adam is like one of the only other Ween fans I've ever found. Oh, give me a break. Don Sloan, my man out there, big Ween fan. I can hear this. You like this stuff? This is is like the zombie killing montage. I didn't say nothing about no zombies. I'm talking about human beings. I think this is the opening credit. This is the opening credit song. Uh, you know, with after Adam the, with his chainsaw. Seriously, there's the high, there's the high incident that starts the movie that sets the stage, and then it goes to the, uh, and then it goes to the opening credits, which are all like jittery and blurry. And it kind of reminds me, of, like, sounds like it would be in Return of the Living Dead. Totally. Like the punk rock version. Good reference. Look at you. Yeah. So uh, I would send more paramedics. I, do, I, I could. This song makes me want to like put a bunch of nails and broken glass in a parcel and mail it off with a fuse. You're a horrible person. Yeah, you're damn right I am. Moving on, Kristen Bowie, number two on your songs to accompany Carnage. Number two, My People, The Cramps, Bikini Girls with Machine Guns, because once again, it's all about it's all about the cadence. You gotta imagine, would this would this fit? While you're just taking people out. This is the song that Quentin Tarantino kills people too. I can already, I mean, you just see it. You know. Now this guy died, right? 
Yeah. Overdose on my doll. No. That's how you kill the crap. Is he like the new Timmy Ryan or something? I think Timmy I Ryan think. never came up with something so witty. Will you give me, give me some crap on Overdose here, of my doll? That's how you kill the cramps. That's how you kill the cramps. And Adam oh, says. It was pretty funny. That, that, I that, that is that funny. I'm sorry. I didn't make the correlation. I lulled just a little bit. Yeah, that joke kind of, it's like a bomb going off. And then the mushroom clouds sweeping. I don't know if it was that strong, it's Adam. It's not at all like that. So, Kristen, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so this is a thing I could almost see in like a natural born killer's style. Exactly, thing. exactly. You and know. It's, it's got a certain, I mean, the, the rhythm fits. I can, I can imagine myself, you know, taking people out with this song. This conversation is all very bleak because <laughs> it's a whole lot of, it's not a lot of abstraction. It's a lot of like, I, Adam Thompson, no, or no, no, I, no. Kristen Bowie, okay, for, could then the slay human me, beings by the thousands. For the people that know me, thinking about me taking somebody out is in the abstract. Uh-huh. So, That's what you're saying now. Me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Adam Thompson and Kristen Bowie from Musicology presenting their top five songs to accompany Carnage number one. All right, now you people are going to have to work with me here. Okay, this is uh, the song Valerie by Steve Winwood. Now, on the surface, it may not appear you know, to be a song that you want to you know, kill your fellow man to. Uh-huh. But it's one of those songs I really can't decide whether I love or hate. But I'm pretty sure I hate it. You know what I'm saying? I can't decide, but I'm pretty sure I hate it. But the more I hear it, the more I want to fire indiscriminately. This is to fuel your loathing, really. Yeah, it's you know, and as long as I keep the barrel of the gun out of my own mouth, I think I could do some serious damage while this song's playing. Wow. But this one, it's good to have dreams. Yeah, but I mean, you know the song, right? Yes. <laughs> You've never looked so thrilled to know a song. Uh, the hook. One of the most god-awful, obnoxious hooks I've ever heard in my life. Is it not? Are we coming up on the hook? I think it's... Here's the pre-hook, right, where he's breaking it down. Here's the thing about Steve Winwood that you got to know. In my head, I can never tell Steve Winwood and Howard Jones apart, ever. Really? Ever. One was in Blind Faith. Right here. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) You can't... It was all worth it for that moment right there. So Steve Winwood's Valerie is the number one song that I would like to put people in the ground to. Wow. Hypothetically. And, and I have to be in a studio with him for two hours this weekend. Oh, well, how fortunate for you. Talking yeah. video games, right. They're Kristen Bowie and Adam Thompson. Kids, yeah. you can hear Thanks. them Sunday, 7 to 9, right here with Musicology, preceded by CBS Radio Theater. This week featuring a uh, back-to-back installment of AZ. Back after this, Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Now I'm just all excited for my magic shave to arrive. If You know what? If I had a Facebook thing, I would totally change. Rick Emerson is eagerly awaiting his delivery of magic shave. That must be quite exciting for you. You're faking that excitement, Sarah. You don't feel you it. You know what? I'm just waiting for you to buckle and start it and count. Because there's no way you can't. What? Facebook? Yeah. Of course, there's no, of course there's a way I can't. Look at me not doing it. Mm. Look at how I haven't. No, you're putting it off, but I know that you're going to buckle. I'm just going to wait for the next thing, because first it was MySpace, now it's Facebook. It's going to be something else, so I'm sitting out this round. I'm doing it every other social uh, networking phenomenon. So I did. Well, it's true, because Facebook keeps messing up and putting, like, you know, all the rules and regulations. They keep, they right. keep screwing up. And, you know, the thing is, just real quickly here, the thing is, they're also not going to be able to, to keep up this fiction that it's for business contacts, which is like a big load. I mean, no one believes that. Business, uh, like, the thing for business context doesn't need to have like a marble game that you can play as a flash application. Because mm-hmm. there's that LinkedIn thing, and Seamus has pointed that LinkedIn is the thing that's just for business. Like that's so. I think at, at a certain point, they're 
you know, they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to decide what they what they sort of want to be. Um, you know, but in any event, uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We will speak with David Walker here in just one moment, who's got good news for you, friends. But good before news. we do that, I will give out this call to action. Uh, we're going to play our final round of making a scene. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Call right now five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Up for grabs. What I believe are our last pair of tickets to Oscar Night America two thousand nine, which happens this coming Sunday at the historic Hollywood Theater. So if you can act out live on the phone uh, without any sort of visual aid, a sequence, scene, or speech from a film right now, uh, you will win a pair of tickets to Oscar Night America 2009. Find that more at filmaction.org. So it's 503-733-2970. Call now. In the meantime, in between time, David Walker. All right. Well, this isn't news. I want to invite everybody to uh, uh, two events that I've got going on. One's going on later on this evening at 6.30 at Portland State. The other is Saturday afternoon at 1 at the Hollywood Theater. I'm hosting a special screening of the most incredible film I've ever seen in my entire life. And I know that's a, that's a bold statement, but it's very true. It's a documentary called Darius Goes West. And this movie literally changed my life. And I'm I'm a cynical bastard. We can all agree on that one, right? It seems as though you wouldn't have a heart of any kind, much less one made of a precious metal. No heart at all, except for this movie, which has opened up a warm spot in my soul. Um, and this movie is about a kid with Duchenne muscular dystrophy who uh, goes on a journey cross-country to get his wheelchair customized on MTV's Pimp My Ride. It is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen in my life. The entire crew is in town right now. They're out of Athens, Georgia, but they're on tour right now promoting the movie and raising money for uh, muscular dystrophy research to find either cure or treatment. And I'm actually hosting both of those screenings this week. One's tonight, 6.30 at Portland State. That one's free. So all of you people listening who have nothing to do tonight, come down to Portland State University, Smith Memorial Union, uh, Multicultural Center, those of you with money, come by Saturday afternoon, 1 o'clock at the Hollywood Theater. That's $5 to get in. You'll meet the guys. They'll have DVDs on sale. And I guarantee you that you will love this movie, you will come away from it happy, and you will feel like a better person from having watched it. And I don't say that lightly. And you know I, that. No, no, no. Thing, and it carries the weight when you say it. i got to just – I will say this because, uh, you know, this is not like you talking about how, 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 what a great writer you are and whatever. I will say it. You're a great writer, and also your, I went to uh, your site, and I was reading your review of it at your site, which is badassswithazmofo.com or the davidwalkersite.com. And your review, I mean, it obviously comes through that, it, you know, the stuff you're saying, that the movie really like, touched you, and it just, you came away a changed person. I mean, it's obviously, it obviously is the case. I can tell just reading the review how profoundly the movie affected you. I, I started doing volunteer work with kids with muscular dystrophy after seeing this movie. I, I now am a volunteer camp counselor. Every summer with kids with MDA. So there you go. All right. So there you go. So uh, you how, how long ago did this movie come out? Uh, it, it came out in 2007, but it's they're they're touring it right now. So um, I will definitely be there on Saturday. Okay. Uh, so that is you can find out more about that at the davidwalkersite.com, and I'll put a direct link to that at uh, rickemerson.com as well. All right. Uh, all right, Sarah Dillon. Uh, I want you to pick a letter from A through D. Uh, C. All right, there you go. We are going to now pick up this line. Hello, who might this be? This is Pete. Hello, how are you, sir? Uh, fantastic. All right, are you ready to make a scene for your shot at the Oscar Night America 2009 tickets? Yes, I am. All right, you must now recreate a scene, sequence, or speech from a film right now on the telephone, live for us. And uh, if you can do so, those tickets are yours. All right, what uh, scene will you be recreating, Pete? This is the beginning scene from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. All right, Pete, make that scene. They bought it. 
incredible. One of the worst performances of my career, and they never doubted it. This was my ninth sick day this semester. It's been really tough coming up with new illnesses. And when I go for 10, I might have to bar football long. I better make this one count. The key to faking out the parents is the clammy hands. It's a good non-specific symptom. I'm a big believer in it. A lot of people will tell you the good flurry fever is a deadlock, but then you get a nervous mother and you can wind up in the doctor's office. And that's worse at school. You, when you're bent over, moaning and wailing, you lick your paws. It's a little childish and stupid, but then, so is high school. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. I can keep going if you want. <laughs> that's, I'm convinced. Do, do like three more lines, just to amuse me. Um, let's see. It's not that I condone fascism, or any ism for that matter. Isms, in my opinion, are not good. A person should not believe in an ism. He should believe in himself. I quote John Lennon. I don't believe in Beatles. I just believe in me. Well done, point sir. There. Congratulations. Well done, Pete. All right, you are going to see Oscar Most Night America 2000. Yeah, really, that one's that's one of the best I think we've ever had. All right, I'm going to put you on hold. Oh, I just hung up on him. Oh, I hope he's still there. All right, there we go. I think I saved the call. Well, you know, he's voice, well, Richie will know. He's voice he's number voice. two, but he's yeah. still recognizable. All right, there you go. So, uh, Richie, can you uh, pick up that guy right there? He's on line three. All right, that'll be fantastic. If he's not there, it's Pete, and he did the Ferris wheel thing. All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. I'm making no, because we're back tomorrow at 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Where are we at uh, time-wise here? Sorry, 40 seconds. 40 seconds. Well, I don't know that I really have uh, sufficient time. We didn't get to do any more news, which is a bummer. We didn't get to do any more news. Uh, we didn't get to uh, read this thing from the Westview High School at Prowl, by the way, which is, I guess, what they're really, they're creating. This is, this is why no one's going to the dance. I mean, it's all, it's all contained in this sentence here. We've created a sexually safe place where students can go to dances and not have to see inappropriate behavior. I mean, hmm. here's, here's the thing, is that it, it doesn't seem to me that like it's about protecting people from seeing inappropriate behavior. It's to protect people from seeing inappropriate behavior and saying, why, that looks like fun. Uh, I have to get myself a girlfriend and try that my own self, you know, and so that's... That really is where the issue is. But we'll read the whole article tomorrow. It's from the Westview High School Prowl. Inappropriate sexual contact at school surprises population. So, Which, by the way, has this great art, has this great black and white photo of a couple making out in the high school hallway. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know who... The, well, I shouldn't say anything more about it. I was going to make an observation about something, but I'll, I'll save it till tomorrow. Uh, we want to thank David Walker for joining us today. Uh, also, Adam Thompson and Kristen Bowie from Musicology. Uh, we also want to thank Cena Radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins and Amanda Moyer. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Aaron Geek in the City Duran, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 970 The Talker in the newsroom, David Walker on the phone, Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in, webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, and of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Donaff with me, Reynolds. See you tomorrow. Watch out for snakes. Bye.